we got you got me bam we're live hey you even you even know like not to do the phone like this yeah 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 come on man i can't believe it don't hit me with uh don't hit me with the infamous question are you do you think you're aware so yeah i am aware of what it looks like if you don't turn the phone I just can't believe how many people who do it like this and like they're on my podcast when it should be like, it's like, I, I, I never even, I never even correct them. <laughs> not, not anymore. I got you. I told you a long time ago, you can't, you can't blame people for being who they are, right? Yeah. yeah I'm still learning. I, I can only imagine you were all, that was a tough lesson for you. I'm still learning. <laughs> Hi. How are you doing, man? fucking living the dream dude yeah dude thanks for having me man now that you're uh now that you're big time i feel like i should make sure that i know and you know what else that that you've done to me that i'm gonna do to you tell me please tell me just like the other day when i called right you hit me with the what do you want oh who does what you need it was it was such a perfect situation where I was like, oh, that is probably like the third time I called. And uh, and now he's in this weird space where he kind of feels like he needs to answer and shit. No, listen. Yeah. No. Don't listen. worry. Hey, I can't wait. I listen. almost did it today, but I was like, oh, I don't want to freak him out. with the No, podcast. freak me out. Listen, I get all that from Boys in the Hood. You remember in Boys in the Hood when the guy would answer the phone, who this? Of course, of course. Who this? So I just like doing that. It's like, uh, it's, I like to prepare. I like, oh, I, I like to just, um, who this? What you need? Who yeah, this? Well, plus, I'm just letting you know, when you have the rise in social class that you have yeah. had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me. When you do that, yeah, it's that one little for that Ooh. split second, you're like, Ooh. oh. I just that's spitting. why I don't like. That's why I don't like that this guy's the man. <laughs> yeah, right there. Cool. Perfect example. Hey, um, twenty twenty two, bizarre turn of events for the show. We got our uh, ratings from Buzzsprout. Like, the, the, so when we make this podcast, Travis, it gets hosted by a company called Buzzsprout, and then you push a button, and then they send it to all the different people, right? Like Amazon, Apple, Spotify, all the people where people listen to podcasts. And so I, I do a lot of CrossFit podcasts, right? A lot of them, right? But I'm trying to do more and more not CrossFit podcasts. And my top five podcasts for 2000, first of all, uh, this podcast is in the top 1% of all the podcasts in the world, in all categories. The weird thing is, is there's 2.7 million podcasts. So that means there's a lot of really shitty podcasts. I mean, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, think I, I'm, I, I uh, possess one of those. I'm at the very top of the heap of the shitty podcast. I'm like, I'm like the king. If there's, you know, there's an A, B, A team, B team, C team. I'm the king of the C team, like the king. And um, so, but my number one podcast of 2022 was the last podcast I did with you. The most popular one. That's crazy, right? Say it again. Your number one. You my most popular podcast of the entire 2022 year was the last podcast I did with you. Oh, nice. Yes. Are you kidding? No. Number one podcast, the Sevon podcast is done is when we had you on. Last time I, I had you on. I thought you were going to act like that it was, um, 
that it was Tyson's, but that's even no, sweeter, no, dude. Yours, yours. Way and, yeah. And you know, we have people like it, it doesn't show on YouTube because like on YouTube, it'll be like Dave or like, you know, you know, people in the CrossFit community, Rich Froning. But the number one podcast that we've the most downloads we've ever had on Apple or Spotify, which crushes our YouTube numbers, is Travis Bajan. History. Well, <laughs> there you go. History of the show. Crazy, right? <laughs> I mean, listen, I usually you're not I'll surprised. You, I, you have to know that in the podcast that I'm on ever, I'm always the number one podcast for that person. Right. Now, I get it. I am pumped. I that, get it. Uh, that you are in that category because you have to know, too, our relationship, you know, for the past 10 years, I could see you you know, every day for a month, or I may not see you for two and a half years span. Right. And during that years, you know, especially the last few years as people hit me with the, Hey man, do you know this cat? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know this guy. They're like, dude, I think this guy's got a chance, right? Like this could be the dude. And I'm like, and every time I just kind of look over to whoever's around me, whether it's Casey or, or Tyson or whoever it is. And, and I, I give them that validation like, yeah, I mean, listen, that's the smartest guy I know is that cat right there. And it used to be me and this guy used to walk around looking for smart dudes because we just were interested. And uh, before long, you know, kind of realized that you, you, in fact, were one of those smart dudes. So congratulations on that. You told me the other the other night, hey, I'm I'm done hanging around normal people. I was telling my wife that the normal the normal <laughs> well, people, yeah, the yeah. normal people that are are. She's like, what do you mean? I go, I'm 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 with Travis. I'm done hanging around normal people. She said, like, what's that mean? I'm like, I don't know what it means. And she goes, what about the normal people you already know? I'm like, Tra I asked Travis that too. He said they get grandfathered in. Oh, <laughs> right, right. You when you were just normal and you were yeah. looking for normal people, if but you no longer. If you don't have ambitions of going to Mars or or something crazy, some delusional aspirations, I'm done. I don't like I like I got enough just normal people who in my life. Hundred percent. I just want yeah, create, I only like people have the top floor is only vacancies that we have around here. And yeah, if you're amazing. Now listen, I or, mean yeah. that there's a broad spectrum of amazing. Yeah. So um but I'm in. If you're if you're doing something extraordinary, I want to I want to hear it. I want to see it. And uh, and you can hang with me. Yeah. If you're going to make electric lawnmowers that are the next big thing and uh, you, you could be in, you could be my friend. I understand. Yes, I um, I did say that. Now, listen, sometimes I have these amazing thoughts there in the, <laughs> in the middle of the evening. But um I think you can catch. Was that too that intimate? One. Was I not supposed to share that one? I thought it was a good. No, one. I love that one. You yeah, just have yeah. to know that I am kicking these things in different directions during the day, so I am, I may forget when I say something amazing like that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I, lost, I, I really that's like. Why, that. Yeah, that's why you're big time, and you got this show. Uh, Travis, um, two two main uh, avenues. I kind of want to uh, talk about one. What's going on with arm wrestling? Are you done? Are you retired? Are you out of the scene? That's funny. I leave tomorrow to visit the uh, great country of Turkey, and I am headed to Istanbul to to join forces with the American team. 
I but that's as going. a promoter, right? You're not actually yeah, pulling. Yeah, I'm going actually as a commentator. So me and Neil Pickup will be handling all the East First West um, action, I guess, as what we'll call it. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm wondering. That is a great question. I, um, I, I think that there, from a business standpoint, there is a very good reason for me to strap it that, you know, to really uh, – um, attack arm wrestling, you know, to the best of my abilities. And, um, you know, there's a, I think there's some paychecks. There's really no doubt about that. Um, the problem is, is, you know, if you get out just for a second, it's so hard, you know, for, for me, like, I know it's easy for you, maybe not for you, but easy for most people to say, Trav, go do two wrist curls and be the champ again, because we love when you're the champ. And it's like, yeah, I got you. But I know what it really takes to be the champ. Um, so a part of me, you know, I don't know if I really, really want to do it, but I think I'm going to do it. Um, meaning I'm going to put my body in that position where, um, you know, I'm going to take some money from a promoter. Um, I just hope that um, something kicks in because honestly, my competitive fire is nowhere near where you would want it to be. Sorry. If, uh, if you were going to embark in this thing. Um, and then as a promoter, it's like, there's so much low hanging fruit and it's so easy, um, to just run our wrestling tournaments and profit from them that I know that I'll never be truly done. But whether I'm ever like the champ champ again, it's um, hopefully I'm thinking this weekend or this week will kind of light a, a bigger fire there. Uh, when's the last time you competed uh, in an arm wrestling tournament? Like a real I one? I don't mean like in a tournament in Florida about maybe 13 months ago, 11 months ago. So it was last year around this time I flew down. Who'd you I pull? Anyone I know? Say it again. Who'd you pull? Anyone I know? Um, I pulled Chad Silvers' whole little crew. Um, so, so not just one person. You pulled everyone. Well, on I team. ended up winning. I was lucky enough to win the left-handed competition, and then competed in the uh, in the the overalls where I worked myself from the top to the bottom. Um, and I, I actually, it was they were giving away a motorcycle, so I won two keys to a uh, to a used Harley Davidson. Um, which was really funny that it was used, but it was still pretty cool. I think they ended up selling that thing for about $4,500 when the tournament was over. So did I you win it? Getting, did your key work? My key did not work. I ended up getting two keys for winning the heavyweights and the overalls. I split my two keys with two other guys and Chad Silvers and the rest of his team more or less had every key except for me and one other 220 guy that one right-handed. Um, so the, the kid Hunter notes with 154 pound, really strong dude from South Carolina. He ended up um, starting the bike up and, and winning. So, but for me, honestly, I won that tournament because of my name. I set the bracket. I gave myself a good first round. Then um, we got right into the buy scenario um, by the time I got to my semifinal match, um, the two other guys had had a pretty good match. Um, 
So I kind of like convinced those guys that second place was the was the limit for them, and and they kind of bowed down, and it worked out really well. So really, in the final, they did amazing. in the final in the final they didn't give you nothing. Yeah, they did, but it was one of those things where they did not know that I was just probably a little bit better than them because of the way it panned out and my nonverbal and verbal communication um, as to how awesome I was that day kind of really worked out. And you know what? It, it, it can do that in the tournament. You get eight or nine guys, the bracket gets funny. There's a buy in there. Um, and if there's any kind of a tough match, with a guy in the bracket that you haven't faced yet, it's really daunting. And it gives a lot of, um, you know, it gives a lot of, of confidence, I would say to the guy who's unscathed. So um, I'll take it because I kind of needed it. It was fun to, cause really ultimately when you're there and you're arm wrestling and you don't have to arm wrestle, you're yeah. there. And you know, it's one of those things where you're not going to make any more money. There's really no prize there that, um, that's worth, you know, what's going to happen if in fact you lose from an internet standpoint these days, like it's going viral when Travis Bajan loses, it doesn't matter how small the event is. <laughs> the internet that sucks. Is that sucks. Yes. Uh, Mason, when you say you pulled, it means, uh, a pulled means arm wrestle. It means you arm wrestle them. I pulled a guy. That means you arm wrestle them. The arm wrestlers call arm wrestling, pulling, 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 pulling. How do you say it? Pulling or pulling? Pulling, yeah. Pulling. It just depends pulling. on how deep you are in West Virginia as to how yeah. it actually Pulling, out. pulling. Uh, my hat, so this is a wool hat. I just have this, I was at my kid's tennis and it's freezing here at night. So I had. A, I have this wool, I was wearing a wool hat for those of you tripping on my hat. Fine, the hat's gone. Bye-bye. Yeah, well, explain is, to me, explain to me the level of tennis that your boys are participating in straight practice or is this in they can beat all they can beat any any uh ethnicity except the Asian kids and the Indian kids. That's how Asian you say it. kids, Indian kids, yeah, only ones. That, yeah, they're the are best. those kids the exact same age as your kid or even an Asian and Indian yes, younger. kid that's younger. two years younger than your kids can still be your kids? Yeah. So my kids can beat the black kids and the white kids who are twelve, even though they're like six and eight. But the, they can't beat the two-year-old Asian and Indian kids. <laughs> hey, listen, it's important. Hey, it's I important for someone to know the level, right? So that you can at least show them one day, or you can tell them to watch their mouth when when the right family walks in the the court. They're basically the best in Santa Cruz for their age, the pound for pound best. And my wife took the kids over the hill, like sixty miles, to a city called Lafayette, real ritzy town. And uh, yeah, it was all, it was, uh, my wife went to the tournament. She said there was, uh, our kids, there was one white kid there, my kid, one black kid there. And then the rest were Asians and Indians. And he said, they were just, those kids were just on another level. So is there a tennis season for young kids or is there a tournament every weekend? I I think just every weekend. I don't, I honestly don't know. Are you, are, is that, is that a goal for the no, uh, uh, household? No, no. I think the av the average height of a uh, professional tennis player is male tennis player. I want to say is six five. It's something crazy like that. Of the five hundred, I'll look at I'll look it up real quick. I yeah. was speaking with a gentleman not too long ago about um, about it was an athlete or it was something, and they with a straight face looked at me right and said, "Well, maybe it's time for growth hormone." 
And I said, what do you mean? And they, oh, for my kids? Well, just for any kid. Oh, oh. This guy told me that it was okay to feed a pre-puberty kid certain levels of growth hormone, and that's how you end up um, with uh, with some of these freak athletes. And I think he was more or less talking about um, overseas athletes, and of course that whole myth that you know the Russian doping scandal is real. So um, I don't know if it was true, but this was a person that I kind of like. Whenever they talk, I kind of listen, like yeah. that they have some valid points. But yeah, he said that that's why you'll see every once in a while you'll see this person and you're wondering, wow, I'd like to see that person's parents. But when you see the parents, you don't see what you were looking for. And then that's he claims that that uh, that there's really no way for that growth hormone to hurt a pre puberty kid. Hey, do you, have you, uh, do you know, do you have any research on that? Hey, uh, here a two-year-old shows signs of puberty after he was exposed to his dad's testosterone gel. He developed pubic hair, and his height was off the charts. It, this article goes on to say his penis was huge too. And uh, where's the downside? Where's the downside for feeding this? Get this kid juiced up. I don't know, but I ain't. Oh yeah, but it was only after she saw pubic hair around his sizable penis that she got seriously worried, dude. It, come on, man. Yeah. Well, and that's a listen. I think testosterone is a little more dangerous than growth hormone. I don't know, but I would not fuck with my kids' process. Yeah, I think that too. You gotta be gangster. You hey, gotta be gangster, boy. What would Dude, the psychological I, implications be to get your kid all juiced up? Like, like yeah. your kid would be. Well, that would definitely be one of those mental illness, mental illness things that you wouldn't want. Um, to give to your kids. There's no doubt about that. Hey, uh, Travis, you know, like you remember when your kids are like one years old and they're walking already or 13 months and they're walking and you're looking at them and like, this is fucked up. They don't have the intellectual capacity to walk. They're not smart enough to walk. They should be stuck crawling until they're like three. <laughs> they just do so much dumb shit. Yeah, it's I like, dude, you're not smart enough to walk. So it's already too much too soon to be able to walk. They, they, yeah. Yeah, and and you think about you forcing them. That's like the first thing that you force your kid to do something because of our society, and then boom, there they are walking into the fireplace. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Why did I do that? Well, that's one of them. First time you got to check yourself. Am yes. I going to raise this kid exactly the way I'm supposed to, or maybe not? Maybe uh, not. Bruce Wayne, this dude is a G. Oh, you don't even know. You don't even. But, but good. You're you're good at your your G radar is <laughs> great perception accurate. there, young man. Great. Uh, okay, so Travis, so you haven't arm wrestled in 13 months. You're going to Turkey to do commentating, and um, what about uh, wrestling this uh, giant dude uh, that that you have mentioned to me on the phone about wrestling uh, soon? That yeah, we're kind of away from that at the exact moment. That Le if you're are you talking Levon or you no Dennis? Dennis, yeah. So that's funny. Is that's how Ingen works, right? So there's two special guests, which would be me and one Dennis Chaplankov. So I imagine that if Ingen's mastermind dream comes true, there will be a conflict caught on video. 
um, between me and Dennis. And I think Dennis is more or less in the same position I'm in to where he had some, some past um, champions, championships, I would guess, and that he is being um, courted and influenced to join Ingen's regime as well. And listen, just so you know, you can imagine how big Ingen Terzi has this event if he's bringing me over to just commentate along with, I mean, there's going to be at least a 40 person guest list of, of airfare tickets and hotel rooms and, and a lot of, of um, travel and expenses going into this. So it looks from the outside looking in, it looks like about a hundred, $150,000 production. And he's putting these events on now once every eight, nine weeks. So, you know, Ingen Terzi is, um, you know, he's like you, Savon. He's, um, he's figured something out. Well, that, too little, too late. He needed to figure out 10 years ago. Well, I mean, for you, yeah. But for him, you know, this is a life dream. And um, you Is know, he still good? Ever, is he any good? Is he any good still? Is he still good? No, honestly? you know what? Totally, strictly a promoter. Um, I think that every once in a while, I think he went through some some injuries and you know uh from an athlete standpoint this guy's like a psychopath like i don't think that he would compete unless he was you know at the very top especially i would imagine you're talking about this guy arm wrestling in turkey amongst his countrymen and you're he would have to be like injury fee injury free like super prepared so um we don't i don't think we're going to see him arm wrestle much but Somehow he has taken over 100%. Igor plus plus when it comes to the event. Wow. I wow. know that's crazy, right? Yeah. Hey, uh, Sarah, no, none of these guys are juiced. Uh, this guy in particular is um, uh, 100% natural. This is just uh, <laughs> this guy is just, uh, just he just eats a lot and stays in the gym a lot, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, listen, here's the deal. If you do neutral grip pull-ups, that's what happens, okay? <laughs> you people got those hands all flat. No wonder things are, are the same. No wonder Bring you can't that get strong. Bring in neutral, and all of a sudden, your trunk starts growing. Right. So have you – that that guy's – uh that guy said he's 300 pounds. Um, have you ever – I, I want to say once or twice you've gone – you've personally gone over 300. Have you gone over 300? I have never seen the scale say 300 pounds. It's always been less than that. The most I've actually seen is like 289. I'm not even in the 290 range. Now, don't tell me that I haven't been 300 pounds and not checked the scale. That's possible. But usually okay. when I am at my best, my love handles are posted – right up here on my shoulder blades, I, you know, and the traps get bigger. I usually always weigh the same. It's just whether I look when, when I'm, when I'm 285 and guys tell me, Hey, look like you lost some weight. That's when I know that I'm about to go crazy on someone because that way I'm kind of small, but I know I'm not small because of the weight. And then there's times where I know I'm a soft 285, like right now. Um, I'm probably way 270 right now. Um, really? You're 270 right now? Yeah, probably 272, somewhere in there. Oh, you and look great, dude. Then, I, you, I could look 250, but I know I'm 270, so that's a soft 270. So it all, it all, um, 
I kind of, whenever someone addresses me, I can put in context the last time I seen them and, um, and whatever they say, I can kind of draw a reference that, oh, I can understand. Even though they're completely wrong, I can understand why they said that. Uh, you're the one who, who, who uh, taught me that if you weigh 300 pounds, you have to have air moving on. You can't be in a room with still air. Yeah. So like if you're over 300 pounds, you told, me, I, <laughs> you told me there has to be a fan in the room at all times. If you I weigh 300 pounds. Greg, uh, I was talking to Greg Glassman one time and he's like, I mean, Travis, let's just be honest. If you're 400 pounds, you got to go to back of the line. And I said, what, what do you mean? He's like, listen, you'll walk in, you got, you know, you got your damn arm amputated. If there's a person there with a hangnail, they get to go first. If you're 400 pounds, I mean, you're expendable. And then he, after we were laughing and there were, and then he kind of looked over at me. He's like, Hey, Trav, now you're not anywhere close to 400 pounds. Are you? I'm like, I don't, I don't mind waiting in line anyway, little man. It's all good. Man. I, I got uh, Jeffrey Bircher, how tall is Travis? Six, three and a half. When I was 25. Now, I've had people try to tell me I'm not quite 6'3 at these times. So I try not to pay attention to that guy. To me, I'm 6'3 and a half until I die, even though I'm probably a little closer to 6'2 and a half than I am 6'3 and a half these days. I am looking for something here. Give me one second. Looking for a. Oh, shit. I can't find it. It's a link. All right. Hey, um, uh, I'm taking a piss. We're taking a one-minute break. Everyone uh, relax. 55-second uh, break, and uh, Travis and I will be right back. What is with this guy, you know? If Howard Stern and Joe Rogan had a baby, you'd be looking at him. Remember, the people were live, so don't like start picking your nose or pull your dick out or anything crazy like that. And this is why this is the greatest show on the Internet, because there's a comment here that says a lot of pre-cum. And then right after, there's a comment that says it's so sad. Let's go back to hand jobs. People without their names and they, uh... <laughs> no one clipped that and played that on the internet. A thumb with a mustache. Yes. A thumb. <laughs> Listen, a guy named Johan Lopez called you a thumb with a mustache. Wow. I'm going to shit myself. Man, that Sevon podcast is dull as shit. Okay, you guys have a great day. Okay. You too. Thanks for calling. Mwah. <laughs> no. I was no. feeling familial, like it was my mom I was talking to. <laughs> that was the uh, soonest I've ever had to take a pee break in an entire show. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. I don't even know if I ever saw that before. So No, it happens. Oh. Usually around the two-hour mark, but I just had a huge, huge... A uh, jug of uh, sparkling water, big two liter of sparkling water at the at the tennis park, treating myself to some sparkling water. Okay, um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to quit sparkling water. I hear it's bad for your bones. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't. I'm not a sparkling water fan. I don't even know how. That's a. That's they don't a have sparkling of, water in that's West Virginia. A sign of privilege in it in itself. I mean, to an utmost proportion. Um, I agree. I agree. So I don't even know what ta- I don't even know what sparkling water tastes like. Perrier. I'm afraid to try it and like it. It tastes horrible. Yeah. 
Um, Hans Kim is the best. Get him back on. You know, that was a fucking weirdest show ever. What are you talking about? Okay, Travis, um, uh, tell me about uh, this oldest son of yours, uh, Tyson Bajant. Yeah, so first did of you all. Ha- well, did you have his? That's your oldest kid? That's my oldest son, yes. Did you have him on purpose? Were you like, I want a kid, or were you just fooling around without? Uh, um, oh, yeah, 100% unplanned. Every single kid. All four of them. All four of them was a shock, like a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, let me tell you this really quick. Let me tell you the story real quick. So uh, about about four months ago, my wife tells me she's gone through menopause. I'm like, really? She's like, all done. I'm like, no more chance you getting pregnant. She's like, nope. Like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. So I I just been still waiting for that day. So I just is that easy to detect? Does she know? She just well. Well, she said she did, so I've just been going crazy, right? Just complete belligerence, just, just, whatever. I just, she's now my playground. Four days ago, she goes, "Hey, man." I go, "What?" She goes, "I think I might be pregnant." Whoa! Like, what are you talking about? You haven't had your period in a year. She goes, "I know, but I, 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 I just some, something feels like I'm pregnant." So I played it super cool. I'm like, "Awesome, awesome!" And she's like, "It's not awesome," and she's like losing her shit. And so she went to yesterday, she went to like CVS and peed on one of those sticks. She's my wife's like probably 47 years old. And she bought one of those sticks and then went into the bathroom at CVS, like a 16 year old girl and peed on the stick wow. right there in the pharmacy. And there, you know, that, uh, the false negative happens all the time. Oh, I'll, I'll let her know that she'll be happy to know that. Yeah. Now false positives don't happen. <laughs> Once that baby accidentally reads positive, you are pregnant. Wow. Well, listen, so I don't understand. Okay. Oh, I got you. So that's so now my uneducated self just realized that her not having her period would cause her to believe that she, after a while that she has reached menopause. Yeah, like she does. She's not dropping any more eggs. Got you. I got yeah. you. And then all of a sudden she thinks she's pregnant. But it gets, <sighs> yeah. Anyway. No, Mason. We don't. I, it, she tested negative. Shut it. Nice. <laughs> Nice. Okay, so unplanned. He's unplanned. Uh, absolutely unplanned to the most utmost proportion that you could ever, ever be. I mean, I would go on to say that the least tight moment that Casey and I ever had in our existence happened during the conception of our oldest son. So we were right there, whether we were going to be together or not thinking about it, bobbing and weaving. You know what I mean? Both of us have been away from each other long enough that, you know, just that small period where, hey, you know what? I really, I may have a different girlfriend before I die. Um, Because, you know, for me. How old is he? How old is he? um, Tyson is 22 years old. And how old are you? I am 46 years old. Okay, so you had him young, 24 years old. 23 years old is when I, when she got pregnant, Crazy. I guess I was 24 when actually I turned 24 just a few months after he was born. Crazy. Yeah. And here's the thing too, is you can kind of brag that you had your shit together at 23 back here where I'm at, where you're at. I might as well have been 12 
at that time, right? But you got to know that. Wait, explain that to me. What do you what do you mean? Like yeah, it's different in California in than West Virginia, Virginia? or yeah. on the East Coast or where I'm from, your life gets pretty it, it's pretty much settled around ninth grade. Okay, okay. You have uh, picked out your bride for the most part. And okay. You and even listen to this point that if you if I dated Haley in the ninth grade and ended up marrying Casey and having kids, people would still say, you know, that Beijing kids throwing the football, you know, his son used to date or his dad used to date Haley in eighth grade. Right, right. That's how you would that generation would even discuss your uh your your who you are. Right. Um so I met Casey when um she was in the 10th grade. I was, we were just starting. I was starting my junior year. She was starting her sophomore year. We were together up until, you know, like a year and a half into college. So now I'm, I'm 22, 22 and a half, and we're totally not together. And, but we're seeing each other, you know, once or twice a week and hanging out. And, but, you know, both of us were definitely, going in different directions when she says, Hey, yo buddy. And I'm like, Whoa, I even threw up the, nah, don't even, don't even try it. And, uh, she was like, no, seriously, come over here, bring all your stuff. You're moving into my parents' house. They have our whole life, um, figured out now. And honestly, like she meant that and her parents thought that I was coming over there. And two hours later, we were going to, get married. And I, I remember like, you know, cause every, there's a time in every man's life, right. Where it's time for, you got to face this on your own. Right, right. Right. Means that like, it's like, well, for you, that happened when you were seven. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no doubt that I grew up a little, I had some interesting uh, stories growing up that, that kind of shaped me into, you know, definitely at a young age going through some crazy, not crazy stuff, but just stuff, right? Because I feel like whenever you think your situation's crazy, it's just because you didn't hear the other person's story. But most of the time, people got a good story. So we're not together at this point. And then bam, this happens. Her family was very frank that they would appreciate it if I would hurry up, marry her, and we could give the illusion that we got married first before the kid, which never really happens, right? Like everybody is thankful that they were invited to the wedding. And then about a week later, they find out, oh, no wonder that that weird wedding thing happened so quick. She's pregnant, right? So to me, it was one of the things where in my household, listen, babe, we don't got to get married. Right, right, right. In my household, you don't even have to have the kid. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Let's talk about this stuff. But right. her household having the kid was a 100% no there's a deal breaker and that we were non-negotiable. Supposed, They're having the kid. Of course. And that you know, in their opinion, uh non-negotiable that uh that we were going to get married immediately. And so did you? I remember, and did you? I no. So like I was talking about those things you got to go through as a man. So I remember driving over to her parents' house where I was going to have a talk with her dad and her dad was fully expecting that he was to make sure that I did get married to his daughter immediately because that was the wishes of her mom. 
in the way that they wanted to handle this. So I remember I said, I went over there, look, and I, I remember getting hyped. Like the, when I was driving over there, I'm going back and forth. I'm like, man, I'm a grown ass man. Ain't nobody going to tell me <laughs> what I got to do right here. <laughs> Before long, I got over there. Mr. Humphrey's like, well, son, I mean, are you a, what kind of a man are you going to be? And I was like, you know what? That's interesting that you said that because I have been battling with my manhood for about 20 minutes while I was driving over here. And to tell you the truth, the more I think about it, there's no way I'm marrying this shit. What did she even get pregnant for? Like, out of this, what is going on? Do you accept any responsibility for your daughter's behavior? So um, we got through that talk. And I think after that, that was the last time. Did that voices ever... get raised there? Did voices get raised? Um, not, no. I. You know what? Here's what I realize now is how broken and horrible that that guy felt too. Okay. Because listen, man, as a parent, and this goes for everybody listening, every decision that your kid makes, that smart ass person who absorbs the content immediately is going to draw reference to how that kid was raised. Um, so I know that now I didn't realize it then I thought maybe that, you know, he was worried about his own personal, um, um, you know, like the image, image, like his daughter course, got pregnant course, out of, you know, out of these wedlock. Are really, these are really good people. Like, yeah. And these, he's, he, you're you know, on the other side of the tracks. Let's explain. I mean, fair, he, his daughter wandered is, into the wrong neighborhood and met you. No doubt. This is the, uh, lady in the tramp story. Exact story. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but now that I realize how old I am now and that if God forbid, that takes place in my house. The first thought is that I personally have failed. You know what I mean? Right, and then right. you want to fix it so right. bad as a parent. Right. So for me, it was uh, to find out how far on those wrong side of the tracks was I actually. Yeah. So, um, and you know, it kind of, that's one of those things too, that when your in-laws realize that they're, daughter or son is going to marry another person it's right away man that's terrifying i mean yeah, it's absolutely yeah. terrifying yeah. so i can only imagine how he felt at that point so but there's one thing about mr humphreys that was always on point is every time he told you something you knew whether it was right then and there or in the near future that it was definitely probably the well thought out and was a, a good decision for you um, to make. And one thing about him being a lawyer too, is he could kind of talk you into whatever he wanted to, but he always left it at your own, that you could make the decision. So um, I more or less told him that, listen, I like your daughter. I always have the, I didn't really like her that much during this period of time. Um, I'm a little taken back from it. However, um, you know, if it was up to me, we probably would have never broke up anyway a year ago. Right. So I am going to um, do the right thing. And if things work out, then a couple of years from now, your daughter actually will not have a bastard kid. And uh, and they won't be talking about you at church every week. And it'll all work out. And, and it, eventually, a year later, I ended up, um, you know, you didn't want to get, I didn't want to get married just because I had a kid. So I made sure that even though that's the exact reason I got married, I made it look like 
there was a two year span where it was because of our relationship and not just the kid. And, and, and then since then, since I've known you for the last, I don't know, uh, 15 years or whatever, however long I've known you, you've always reiterated to me that you're the luckiest guy alive to be married to her. Like, oh, yeah. No in, in hindsight, yes. you're like, no doubt. Luckiest thing I ever did was knock that rich girl up from Shepherdstown. Yeah. No what, doubt crazy. about it. And you can, and I, you know, here's another thing. When I see families get divorced and broken up, I am amazed because I know how much I loved Casey before. But when you see your wife take care of your kids, I mean, it gets deep. So, you know, I know that I, uh, you know, I know I'm where I want to be. There ain't no doubt. And now you have four with her. Yeah. And every one of them, the same thing happened where she's like, looking at me like the same way that she did. And she says, <laughs> like you, you fucked up, like this. it's your fault. Yeah. And and I say, well, listen, you can tell me anything. Just don't fucking tell me that you are pregnant because we can no way, no way afford this. <laughs> right. And she's like, are you kidding me? I love kids. Do it again. And I'm like, and you know. Are you done? I, you think you'll have more? Five? It's funny you say that. Um, there is absolutely not one precaution being taken in this house, nor has there ever been, except for the, you know, just, you know, roll the dice, take a chance. And then, you know, God. you're living at God's time, mercy. You're living at God's mercy. Yeah, no doubt. And every single time that I, you know, smoke a joint, eat a mushroom or drink two Jaeger bombs. I sometimes think it's a great idea to have another one. Yeah. But well, that's I probably why you only it. have four. Cause I, I don't, I can't ever remember ever seeing you drink. You're not really a drinker. Yeah. Not much. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not big into that. Yeah. It's always hard work, sloppy, sloppy, hard work. Yeah. Hey, Hey. Um, and, and so, so Casey gets pregnant with Tyson and when do you decide, um, I don't even know how to describe. I just remember when I met you, I had yeah, immediately. I just, I felt really, that, I felt that every single step that he took, they were going to know that, um, you know, or at least in my opinion, you know, they were going to judge me by the way he moved by the, by how good or bad. So he since was. he was born, since she was pregnant with him, you knew that was your legacy. That was your only thing. Well, you ever I'm not my legacy, but I knew that I was a, a guy who was always in charge of the sporting event for all my buddies. So I knew that I was going to be very good at setting up the situations for him to, you know, play a lot, whether it was football, basketball, or baseball, that we were going to play a lot. I remember, um, telling Casey and different people that um, how much pride that I was going to take in making sure that my son knew how to do, you know, that to play every position and, and really was a student of the game and all the mistakes that young athletes make um, that I was going to be there to, you know, to hone those skills and make sure that, you know, that that was going to be what we did. Even so, at yeah. one, even at one year old, you knew you were going to do that when he was one, you were, did yeah, you ever, yeah. I mean, did I you ever tell him before as, he could talk? He's in his crib and you're like, yeah, as soon as you're, we found out it was a boy, then I knew that that was something that, um, 
that we were going to do, that we were going to train really hard to be super coordinated so that I could give him an opportunity that if he did fall in love with something, that he would have a big head start. And, and so you didn't even know if it would be football? No, probably, you know, probably thinking more. I was a little bit better basketball and baseball player. Um, football, I was, I was good at football, but it wasn't as fun um, as our school in high school. It was a baseball town, a baseball county. So baseball was a bigger part of my life. Um, but I also knew that uh, football was a lot funner to watch. Um, so I was totally uh, tickled to death when I when he finally, about 11 years old, told me that um, he was going to keep playing baseball and basketball for fun, but that he was going to be a pro football player. At what age? 11, 12 years old is when not he just knew that uh, he was going to be a professional athlete and that he had excluded baseball right away, about nine years old. And then, you know, at 10 and 11, he's having just as much success in basketball that he is in football. So, and every kid loves playing basketball, man. It doesn't, doesn't hurt as much. Um, and uh, so it took a little while longer, probably 13 years old. He knew that um, he was never going to be able to play college basketball but that football dream um, was super alive. Um, do you do you think that um, you've um, – and that this is going to sound bad, but fuck it, whatever. Do you think you forced him? Oh, think, like, do you, Listen, If he's a marble, did you drop him down a really tiny, narrow tube and force ever, him down? <laughs> if anyone ever accuses you or me of forcing Tyson to play football, to play quarterback – they are dead on. What I mean, you couldn't. He be didn't have more, a choice. He didn't have a choice. No, not even a small choice. Uh huh. Uh-huh. No. Even though, even when there were times that it was maybe a better choice to play him at different positions, it was not even considered. It to the point that you could get fired from our coaching staff by even whispering it to one of the other guys. Um, so how do you do that? How do you force your kid to do that without breaking his spirit? It's very fine line, tough, tough. You know what? I don't even advise it. When I, when I, uh, when I'm, I coached the kid, I gave a session today. Eight-year-old kid wants to play quarterback. His dad wants um, me or one of my kids. I tell him my price per hour, which is, pretty extraordinary for our area and then what it would cost for Ezra to do it. And he's like, listen, I, I, I can't wait for Ezra to come back, but since Ezra's in Florida, we'll have you do the session. I did the session today and the whole time as I'm talking with the kid, the kid's dad is over there in the corner and the kid's dad wants to make sure. And he's, you know, he wants to make sure that the kid is being overly um, coachable. Right. So he want you know, whenever his dad snaps at him, the kid looks at me in my face and walks closer. Right. To listen. And then the kid goes back to being a regular kid again and taking instruction. But the whole time I'm over here and I'm thinking this poor kid, he's got, he got this hover, this helicopter dad over there. That's dream is bigger than this kid's dream by 10,000. Right. And about 10 minutes into judging this guy, I realized, well, that's me. I am that guy. I just did it 
personally rather than paying someone a ridiculous amount of money to train my kids. But honestly, it does not matter which which route you take. Um, but I do feel that if that if that situation doesn't work out and that kid's not as good as the dad wanted him to be, and the kid decides to no longer participate in that sport, that you could imagine that the kid would have a little bit of uh, power or at least an argument as to, man, dad was a psycho, and now we're not even good friends because of it. Um, and then if the kid makes it, then the dad's a genius for pushing the kid and making it work. So I think our story with me and Tyson, it appears that I'm a genius for pushing him. But one thing I know about these stories is you got to wait till they're, you know, they're over before you can reflect and see if it was good or bad. But as of right now, it's, it's gone pretty good. And he was 100% psychotically pushed into one role. And, and and we we pushed it hard. I, I'm never going to be able to explain it to the viewers on this show because they don't know you. And I've got to hang out with you, God knows, a, a thousand hours. And you have to know that nothing that the way Travis deals with people um, is, is any way uh, forceful. So when he says he forced his son to play football, it's not in his personality to be forceful. That's not how you work. He is a deeply, deeply uh, manipulative on on the most amazing psychological level, M meaning uh, not like he tricks you, but he believes in people around him and he lifts the mood up like he lifts the mood up it, it, Travis would be the perfect person to take to a funeral. Uh, there's no uh, <laughs> there's no um, God, I just remember seeing you around your kids and, and just what you would get out of them, how they would perform. You get people to want to perform for you. And so it, it's not um, it's not like this story of him like uh, uh, dragging his kid out of bed at four in the morning to, 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 to run five miles. It's, it's he convinced his kid. He manipulated his kid. His kid wanted to do that for his dad. It, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? I mean, I love that. I love that. I mean, I've never seen I've never seen you be the asshole dad, but man, you sure know how to conduct you know you know how to conduct an orchestra of human beings. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And listen, let me let me tell this one story. I've told it on my show many times. Camille Boulablanc Bazinet sold out stadium at Carson, a completely packed, oversold um final event final night whatever and she's on a fucking rower or an assault bike or something and, and the monitor stops working and it's in the middle of an event and she starts crying and travis is the mc he's fucking kiki dixon or just like uh this bella martin he's just an mc and he sees that she's crying and he walks over there and he goes don't worry about it just keep rowing he puts the mic covers the mic and then he looks over and he sees a couple girls get off the bike. He's like, yep, you're done. Go. And he just, he just, he just takes control of this fucking live yes. event that's being pushed onto ESPN. And it's like, for those, it's a crazy story. But for those of us who know Travis, like I've seen that, like, uh, I, I'll tell you one other story. <laughs> that Dave a Cat that's a great story. That's a great story right there. That's a great one. Yeah. I'm in this bar that we don't have in California. It's a bar in Texas. 
And Not just a bar. It's the biggest bar in the world. Oh, is it? Okay. It there's 5,000 people Billy in this Bob. bar. Yes. Like, like we have a section in the bar that has 300 people. That's our own people. And then somewhere else in the bar, there's like a famous country music player on the stage. Yeah, Luke and then Ryan. Some- Luke Ryan is having a live concert right there. And we are once again, first class pimp VIPs, yeah. but we are not participating in the concert. Yeah. So, so Dave Castro and Andy Stumpf, get into it in our private section with a u.s air marshal do you want me to correct you if there's any part of the story that's wrong i get good well i i think my mind's perfect i, I, I dare well, it you it wasn't andy oh, yes it was no it wasn't, it wasn't. who was it no who He's was it gone. So no it was I-R-T. dave and andy no it was not andy it was the branding guy the Who's marine that? The Marine branding guy. Jimmy Letchford. Jimmy. Jimmy. No, 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 no. Yeah, 100%. Dude, I saw Jimmy's face. No. no. Jimmy Jimmy and Dave Castro were in the middle of that thing with that guy, and I saw Jimmy. Hey, was Andy there? Tell me. Was Andy Andy there? Andy was there. Yes, Andy was there. Okay, okay, okay. Andy was there. I'll compromise. Andy was going to going to defuse the situation first. Okay. And um, and was not quite successful enough. And – and just so you know, right when it started, I looked at Greg and asked him if he was okay with it. And he was, you know, Greg just kind of snickered and said, yeah, yeah, let's see what happens. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then Andy intervened, kind of got a little more heated. And then- oh, okay, so Andy was, so, okay, so, so eventually, because when I went over there, I see Andy and Dave face-to-face, like, this close with the U.S. Air Marshal, and the shit's getting fucking heated. So you do agree at one point Andy was in the mix? No doubt, no doubt. Okay. Andy okay. 100% tried to stop it, and what you saw was Dave explaining to Andy, no, it's okay if me and Jimmy smack the shit out of this guy. <laughs> uh, we've already worked it out. <laughs> The guy has said enough about the Navy that it has to be done. And so this guy's a big guy. This is a, this is a big guy. Uh, Dave's six foot. This guy's a little bigger than uh, Dave and, and thick. This guy's thick. Guy's six foot, three and a half, six, four, 218 pounds. But and, could easily look like he's 240. But yeah. because he's a crossfitter, you know, he don't have that extra weight on. So... It's getting heated. It looks like it's just about to break into a fight. And this there's a wall about 10 feet away that has a sign that says emergency exit. Correct. And it, and it obviously went to the and outside. just so you know, this VIP area we're in is where you would bring in the big talent. And yes. you, that door is like the backstage door that you open it up and you're in this. You, you walk in, you're in Studio 51 in yes. New York City, you walk out that door, you didn't even know it was there, and it's just this alley right outside going, you know, yeah. some back back way there. So go ahead. So I see Travis walk over there, and I'm like, fuck, I'm I'm getting a front row seat to this shit. And I fucking walk, <laughs> I position myself behind some tables and shit. And I'm like, this is gonna get crazy. Yeah. And Travis literally walks over there the way I remember it walks right in between Dave and Andy where there's no fucking room. I mean, these three guys are as close as they can be face to face to face. They might as well have been kissing. Travis walks in there and kind of just 
scoops the guy like uh like he had a cape on like a batman cape or something scoops the guy walks with him 10 feet the guy can't stop travis there's no tussle there's no exchange of words it's like the guy doesn't even know what's going on it's like magic he walks him to the uh, emergency exit door he opens the door kind of just gently pushes him out and then pulls the door shut and the guy was fucking and there's no handle on the outside door yeah, and the, guy, and the guy's gone. I'm like, Travis, how did you do that? He's like, I just put my weight on him a little bit. He goes, yeah. people don't like to mess with the big guy. Just put my weight on him a little bit or some shit like that. I was like, how the fuck did you do that? Yeah. That thing could have ended totally different. One good headbutt, and that would have never worked for CrossFit. You mean like if you would have headbutted him? Yeah, no, if he would have headbutted me when oh, I was oh. like, walking oh. him out there. But that was a... That was a great, you know, here's a, you want to, let's set that story even a little further and know that that was my first day on the job. And I was really just auditioning for the job. Um, If you remember, and when I say the first day, it was the first trip. We had started off in, um, in Memphis, Tennessee. And I was more or less just this kind of hang alonger but there was nothing set. And then finally, right around the, the, the second trip we went, we ended up going to Texas. And that's when it got a little cooler where I would, uh, you know, start, you know, getting Greg checked into the place, doing a little bit of advance work. And then yeah. later on, it's like the third night when, um, when that took place. And I remember when I walked back in there, you know, I already knew that I had done something that, that you California guys was going to think was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought so it was as so I amazing. Walked back in. I knew the more nonchalant that I acted like it was the more breathtaking it was going to be to you guys. Yeah. Um, see, that's what I mean. There's the manipulative piece. That's what I mean. That's yeah, how no, I got right. well, that's yeah, just the, Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Super aware. No doubt. So Brad, I remember even after that, like later on that night, Greg looked at me, he's like, well, what am I supposed to do if you're not available? And I'm like, listen, Greg, we can always, we'll always make sure someone's available for you, bro. We got you. But it was a, that was a good, you know, Bob Harper. I met Bob Harper that night. Oh, the guy of the guy from the biggest loser. Exactly. And Casey was a huge Bob Harper fan. So we also FaceTime Casey right before we were pulling into Billy Bob's that night. So that was, um, that was a great so you night. You scored points at home and at work. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. It was, it was a great night. Yeah, great night. Brad Patty, I met Travis at NOLA. I don't know what that is. At the uh, Northern California, North, North LA. I don't know what NOLA is. Um, at the live showing of Open Workout 14.3. He talked on that mic and he would take everyone's attention on him. He's straight savage on the mic. You know, uh, that, was a, that was a rare um, announcing event that I really, really enjoyed. The, and you hate doing that shit, right? Oh, uh, well, it's because it's it's like my job. If you like the nothing's worse than being really good at a shitty job. And uh. and what I mean is like people are always like, man, you could, you know, you could rock the mic. It was awesome. I had you at the games. And you think about the games, and it's four days of 13 hours of you know, repetitive, you know, 20 minute AMRAPs. I mean, just yes, the yes. worst. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you, yeah. You know, and then all every once in a while you get a gig like the open where yeah. it's like, hey, for the next five weeks, let's go to five cool ass cities and do a really cool three hour event right. um, where you really only got to rock the mic for 45 minutes. Right. I'm in. 
And right. that was a, that was a really, really fun experience. Um, when it comes to CrossFit, that's, that's one of my fond memories, not so much the CrossFit games because of the, uh, the amount of work and yeah. time and the fact that Dave was such a soldier that he ate those 18 hour days up like they were nothing. You mean, you mean basically he overworked everyone? Not only that, he just worked like this. Thing yeah. Somehow yeah. at five 30 in the morning, he looked fresh as a daisy, right? With hair wet, like just shining. <laughs> Motherfucker was always in all, just a morning person. It seemed to me like, but he was always ready. Um, and he was always, he was always super aware of, um, of any way that, any way that you as an announcer could manipulate, which you know me, there ain't never a, there's never a situation where I haven't take a little step back and like, oh, okay, if I'm never here again, I know that there's a bathroom here on the left side. You know what I mean? I'm not going to make that same mistake again. <clears throat> so if there's any way to make my life easier, um, I would try to, you know, kick it to Dave. And he had already knew what the pros cons and why. And then he would say, stop being a pussy. We're doing it like this. And yeah. I'm like, okay, he already knows. He would that. never talk like that. That would be inappropriate in the workplace. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, he <laughs> was, um, he was a, he was the first guy that I realized that no matter, you know, in the, in the middle of that war, you're not going to really understand the madness, but Unfortunately, when you look back at it, you're you know you're always going to be okay with him being the leader, and uh, that was a that was a tough pill for me to swallow because I was always as an employee or a helper, I was always such I always went way above and beyond from a talent standpoint that I would always um, expect the little privileges that come with being so freaking efficient. Um, and with well, Dave, as soon as you entered the Greg Glassman entourage, you just took over. You were the leader. You ended up, you, you say when we're leaving, what car we're taking, you would be like, if there were three cars, you'd be like, great. Like no one even asked you your second hand job. You're like, Greg, you get in that car. Sevy, come with me. A uh, girl's over there. Uh, driver number two, uh, be quiet until I'm done talking. Okay. Who wants to eat over there? And I'd be just be like, Oh shit. And then we've been in some hairy situations with you where that's really paid off. Y'all no doubt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. We're like, yeah. we just needed someone to tell us what to do. Uh, leave through that door now. And it was okay. We're gone. Bye. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that was, you know, and I always felt like when it came to like running the CrossFit games, like I kind of understood, you know, when Dave said ABC, yeah. I could fill in D for yeah. the most part. It was all good. But the fact is, is I realized with Dave, you don't get any special privileges for being aware of D right. just do a, B and C exactly the way that we told you. And, um, and then we'll reconvene and give you the instructions for D, um, which is fine too. Now yeah. that I think yeah. about it, I understand that there's nothing better than um, expecting and getting exactly what you want from someone who's trying to help you when you're in that war like that. So it's all good. God, I God, the good old days, the dynamics of all the relationships and shit. Crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> crazy. Absolutely crazy. Okay. So um then at what age is Tyson when you start to think 
that he might actually like, do you think that always think that he'll be a professor? Like you obviously dedicate your whole life after he's born to him. Right. And then the well, and then Ezra. Yeah, I mean, and then, don't get and, me wrong. I wish like, I think about like <laughs> business and finance and there's a big part of that missing in my, in my brain, right. In my day. So when someone says that, that someone like me dedicated their life to it really, that was just something that I knew that I could do that I enjoyed doing. Now, if I probably mm -hmm. looking back at it, you know, I probably should have went, I Got probably should have spent a little more time, um, you know, making money and, and doing a, you know, probably working more. Um, so I have to be careful taking a lot of credit for it when really, it was one of those deals where, man, you got plenty of time. The least you could do is okay. make sure that. Okay. Uh, that I get that. I'm, down. I'm the same way too. I, I see what you're saying. You're the kind of guy you're only going to do what you want to do. And you would rather fucking let the bills pile up and spend time and make sure you train your kids and, and hang out with your kids because you're good at it. And you weren't doing dumb shit like smoke. You don't, you don't get drunk and you don't get high on fentanyl. So you didn't have to worry about that shit. And so you, on one hand, it's like, hey, don't give me too much credit. The reason why I did this shit is because I like doing it. Like you loved being a part of your kid's life. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I was lucky. And I, I, I don't want to say because I know that. I am selfish too. So when, when those two boys came out and they were boys, I think that that's a blessing when it comes to where I was that point in my life and how much easier it was for my boys to be with me 24 seven, even like in places that, you know, like I, I would take my kids to my dad's bar all the time. Like I did not, didn't matter to me that there was four alcoholics in there and that there was a fight that could pop off any second. Like I have no problem with my kids seeing two grown men fight. Right. I, I'm, I'm like, yo, get over here, make sure you can see, but just get behind me. <laughs> right. Like, I'm okay with that. Right? Totally okay. Hey, but, but what's interesting is now you, now when I talk to you, you're starting to um, do that. You're, you're on the same train though with your girls. Like the no other doubt. day you're, I just you're like, Hey, I'm taking it over yeah. the volleyball training. Of my right, girls' volleyball no team, yeah. And I just, I feel like that a part of me too um, has to know that I would be a bad person if I couldn't even fake that, right? So let's just say that I do not enjoy volleyball as much as football or basketball. It is, there's a part of me that knows that that is also a, something that I would never let come to light anyway, because I'm aware enough to know that you'd have to be just a terrible person um, right. to act on that feeling. So now lucky for Diem is I really do enjoy volleyball. Um, but I'm glad because I think when I was younger, I was probably even more selfish where I would have been okay with my daughter, you know, maybe skipping some sports so that she could get her nails done. But when it came to the boys, there was no missing days at all. We, and we also too, things that they could be involved in became higher priorities. So when CrossFit became a part of our life, the gym in the CrossFit kids class, it was a great way to knock out two birds with one stone. We can actually give something back to the community from a service standpoint and get paid. But also we know now that that class is super mandatory, right? Like, 
it'd be one thing like you're a dedicated dad and you take your kid to those tennis lessons. It's a whole nother situation if you were teaching the class. Now, all of a sudden, it just becomes regular every single day. We are going to CrossFit Kids class. And because you guys are my kids, three out of the five days, it's CrossFit football. Yeah. Because yeah, we are yeah. working this scenario. And then, yeah. you know, and even, you know, even getting the gym that had the indoor basketball court in it, just little things like that, that those became like, like yeses when it really didn't matter if the rent was or the building wasn't up to par. It had a couple things that we could see immediate gains from. Um, so for, you know, for your kids, I think for your Tyson kids, was eight or nine years old when I got introduced to CrossFit and then it yeah. just continued all the way up until now. So that was, that was another, and that's another beautiful thing. My, um, my CrossFit education was, redundant right to where i don't know as a as a crossfit trainer if i would have got that same education if it would have just been me paying for a seminar joining a gym but i got it to where it was greg giving tips on how to make the seminar better every day when i'm there and then us visiting the level ones endless seminars so all of a sudden even though it wasn't my intention, I became a pretty damn good CrossFit kids coach. Right. Pretty quickly, right? Because I yeah. could already teach youth football. I just had to switch the the football techniques to the cross the CrossFit methodology. And and all of a sudden, you know, I'm talking and and you know, it's sounding good to all the kids. Um, and then of course your kid goes out there and you know, Tyson was such a beautiful because he's he's doing every single thing that that I'm telling you and telling your kids that they should do. He's doing them, and he's also um, doing it with in such a respectful manner that they're taken back a little bit by my my confidence. But when it comes to him, they're like, you know, even he, you know, he does all that stuff, and he's such a good kid. Um, he never, you know, he never, uh, he never talks a lot of trash or, you know, he doesn't act like his dad. So that, you know, we kind of, we kind of knocked it out. You know, we kind of knocked it out of the park with that kind of duo. Um, we always had tons of kids after we would beat them or compete against them. They would always want to join the class. You know how, like, if you're, if you go somewhere, you need to be um, prepared. So let's say, Let's say you're going to the movies. You got to bring your glasses, right? Uh, you're going to, um, I don't know. You're going on a date. You got to bring your condoms. Uh, you're going uh, camping. You got to bring your tent. You're going to the hotel. You should bring your t- toothbrush and toothpaste. When I take my kids somewhere, I bring them prepared. So I'm t- bringing my kids to Travis Bayson's CrossFit class. I'm going to have them in the appropriate clothes, not pajamas, not some stupid fucking weird clothes. They're going to be appropriate clothes they can move in, not some stupid shoes, not their rain boots. They're going to be able to listen. They're going to be polite. They're going to be well-fed. And I'm going to bring them there ready for you to sharpen. Yeah. And I feel like that's the thing. Like if you could do that as a parent, you're at the, you're at the fucking 90-yard line. I like, agree. Like, I agree. And, and the trainer should know how exceptional you are. So that's why for my class, all the super duper fun stuff happens the first 15 minutes. 
give me give me an example. Like dodgeball happens in the beginning, yeah, not no. the end. So the, as soon as you get to my class, we have fifteen footballs, right? Mm-hmm. Right, fifteen of them. So every one of the kids that is there will they'll get in line, and I will throw the ball every five yards, right? So it's a big square, right? So you run thirty yards, then you go thirty yards across the field, then you come thirty yards back to me. In that length of time. Sometimes I can get rid of eight balls, sometimes 13 balls. But every couple yards, you're getting fired the football, right? That is awesome. Listen, the kids that come prepared, they catch 100 balls. The jackass kid that gets there and his mom doesn't have his shoes on or he shows up five minutes late, that, that time gets cut. And you know what I find? The kid tells his mom, yo. I don't want to be late Yeah, because really the class isn't even that fun after the first 15 minutes. Yeah. But the first 15 minutes is so much fun that you want them to, because all they can do is ask their parents. Right. And some kids, you know, you got to be careful how you say that to your parents. Yeah. Right. Like there's some, not every kid can say, Hey pops, you, we are five minutes late. Um, you know, I don't want, you know, I want to make sure I'm on time. The guy be like, hey, listen, bro, uh, you don't even want to know what happened for me to get you there just five minutes late. Right, right. You know what I mean? Watch your yeah, mouth. Yeah, I'm not but, talking about those kids, though. Of course not. You're talking yeah. about the just regular slapdick parent that um that I thought that I would never, you know, I would never be, right? But I realized that I am the minority when it comes to, really want because I think that it's like part of my responsibility right away is to let the coach know that that kid's parent is serious. Right. And one of the best ways that I can be serious is to make sure I'm there on time and that my kids are ready to work. Yeah. Right? Warmed up, show up 10 minutes early and yeah, you kid even up. mentioned it, right? Yeah. Like I think that even, I even disagree. I think you were talking to someone, you were talking to an affiliate owner and you said to that guy that, Really, the the clients and the parents, they push the quality of the program. And then I heard that guy kind of be like, well, I would expect my, well, yeah, yeah, you can expect that shit all you want, your employees to be on point. But what's best is for that guy to know, hey, the Joneses are going to be there today. Yes. The yes. Joneses don't fuck around. Yes. The Joneses are psychotic. They yep. think that. Little Marty's going to be a ski pro. Well, yeah. hey, you damn right that's what we think. And we're hoping that you can help us get there. Um, hey, so. can you share? You said something to uh, – so your oldest son, uh, Tyson, who we've, we've been talking about, for those of you who don't know, he's been on the show a couple times. He set the all-time uh, collegiate uh, touchdown passing record in all divisions recently. Uh, did he win the – Is he gonna, he's won, did he win the second Harlan in a row? He did already? not. He finished third in the voting. No shit. Yeah, they ended up giving it to the quarterback from Colorado, and then how could they do a, that? Well, I mean, you know why? I'll tell you why. So about ten years ago, the greatest Division II running back, maybe the best Division II player of all times, kid's name is um Danny Woodhead. Danny Woodhead had an amazing junior season, like Tyson did. And he won the Harlan Hill Award. He came back as a senior 
and the sports information directors, which you got to know that there's 170 sports information directors that vote for these awards. There's probably 70 of them don't even have football. Out of the 100 that do have football, only 40 of them would football be their best sport, right? So you right. got to know that if you're in Division Two in Kentucky, you may have a girls volleyball team that's third in the country. So your sports information director, even though he's in charge of every sport, he spends 85% of his time on that girls volleyball team because that's what makes their Division II sport click, put them on the map. So the voting is not always solid. So this Danny Woodhead guy, even though he had a very average injury-prone senior year, he still won the Harlan Hill Award. So every year now when there's a winner, the next year for the past five, ten years, all of the D2.com media personalities, they immediately claim that Tyson would win because that's what Danny Woodhead did, meaning the name recognition would be so prominent that you almost couldn't lose. And in my opinion, they, they kept that campaign going from the minute the season started. And, um, and finally, people were just, um, just, just like, very, fuck you, we're not going to do that. And they, they voted against my purpose. So yeah, now because of the Danny Woodhead situation, it will be a lot harder, if not impossible, for someone to repeat. How? I mean, what a fuck! Did, did are were people crazy critical of that? Like, are you guys fucking stupid? This, I mean, yeah, yeah. There were Tyson's a, a boon to Tyson's a boon to too. Division Two football. What what he's done for Division Two football is crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, but listen, you have to know that sports like that life goes on and. Right. Immediately, as soon it's 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 cool to us because we love Tyson. But the fact is, is it's Division Two football, so there's always it's easy to discredit the situation. Um, and you really can't argue because the more you know about football, the easier it is to discredit the situation until right. you really, really know. And then you're like, okay, even with those. Um, those routine barriers of being division two playing with that competition. Yeah. You still, when you put the whole body of work together and then you realize that the most prominent evaluators in the world are the people that invite you to the number one all-star game and the NFL combine. So, and he, and he was invited to both of those, the senior bowl and the combine. Yes. And even if you're a little critical, you still, once that, once how about the like kid? How about the kid who won the Harlan? Was he invited? Say it again. How about the kid who won the Harlan trophy? Was he invited? He was not. Yeah, he wasn't invited to any of the games. Yeah, exactly. But you know what else? Hey, don't forget that football is the ultimate team sport. And if your team is really good, it's really hard to show individual accolades. And if you show a lot of individual accolades, it's usually a result of your team not being super well-rounded. So Tyson's back-to-back -back Final Four appearances, in my opinion, are a way bigger deal than even the individual quarterback stats. Because the truth is the ultimate decider of that guy is how his teammates and coaches view him. And 
nothing. If you, you know, it's 50 50 when it comes to the quarterback really getting all the love that it's presumed that he's getting. Because a lot of times, you know, we all know the guy in our friendship that's the best looking, but it don't mean we always agree with the fact that he should get the, you know, the pretty girl. Right, um, right, right. So a lot of times the quarterback, even though he's loved on the outside, you know, when you really get in the locker room, he's got to be really on point to win that locker room. And um, I saw guys play harder when Tice was in charge than they would have if he wasn't. Right, right. Uh, uh, Ken Walters, my son was a top 10 finalist for uh, Division One Hockey Hobie Baker Award and led the nation in scoring his junior year but was not a hockey powerhouse. First-time nation uh, leading scorer to get to top three ceremony. That's awesome, Ken. Super awesome. Crazy awesome. D- did not get to the final three. What a God. Uh, is is hockey harder to break into uh, the pros than football, or are they pretty equal? Both just in- I would say they're they pretty equal. I'd say they're yes. pretty equal. Pretty damn hard. Yeah. So you said something to so he's he's with a, a quarterback coach now, uh, just making sure his his skills stay up to snuff as he approaches the Senior Bowl and Combine. And you told me something that you said to that coach the other night. Could you share that, or could I share it? You can share it. Yeah, let's hear. It. Yeah, you basically said to him, you said, uh, "Hey, either tell me my kid is the best quarterback you've ever seen, or tell me what you're doing to make him that." And I was yes. like, "Holy shit." Yeah, so funny, right? Because that's a because it's so easy, right, for us to you know, you got to remain humble, right? Like listen, if you're not humble, the society like really hates you. Like it really does hate you, right? So, I know that Tyson must maintain that status, right? Like he has no choice. But I have no time for any of that. Like oh, as the, as the father, so he it's good cop, bad cop. You're the bad cop. He's the good cop. Listen, course, motherfucker, if you're yes. not making my son better, hit the fucking road. Exactly. And listen, honestly, if you don't believe it, like I don't need you to, I need you to lie to me. Like I, you must, you must lie to me in order to keep this job. So tell me now, what are you, you, you the only way you can keep the job is if you believe it like I do. Right. Because, listen, if not, we just need to move on. It's completely okay, But we have one solid opportunity is that we have been granted this senior bowl invite and the NFL combine invite. We have this short amount of time. We have purposely checked every box in order to get to this point. You, Mr. Mastroli, his name is Ken Mastroli. His job is to take us to make sure that when we get there, that Tyson is not surprised, not surprised by the verbiage, not surprised by the competition, not surprised by the amount of work and what's expected, the outcome. So I was very serious with him. And you know, what was awesome is that he looked at me right in the face and said, listen, Travis, this guy's the best guy I've ever worked with. And listen, I really, I don't care. There's no need for me to get, to look at him harder, to find out if I think he's lying or he's telling the truth. It does not matter to me. He knows what was expected. And and now we'll see if it follows through. But I think a lot of coaches and a lot of parents would be completely okay with, hey, listen, it's a long shot, 
we are going to do our best to see how far he can make it. And most people would be totally accepting of that, but not me. We didn't went too far. And there was, there was too many, there was too many average things that I could check that I went ahead and checked. Like you need him to be over six, three check, right? Under two twenty needs to run under a four, eight, five check needs to be perfectly. I mean, look like a ballerina whenever there's any footwork involved, meaning his legs are moving a hundred miles per hour. His body is quiet and soft. He can make every single throw that's needed to be made. I already checked those boxes. Now I'm here with you so that you can polish it all up and put it on that showroom floor. And listen, don't put it out there if you don't want somebody to take it first. I mean, number one, and if you can't help us, we have a ton of resources over here. Let us go somewhere else where at least if we don't make it, we want to be upset about it. Do not prepare us for a bad outcome. We're Damn, not interested. dude. Damn, dude. Hey, and uh, just so uh, you know, and I'm curious how Travis is going to respond to this. Uh, no one taught Travis any of this. So this, everything that Travis knows, no, he didn't go to some school to learn how to play football. He didn't go to a parent raising uh, academy. He didn't, um, he's not a, uh, a PhD in anything. Um, this is a, 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 a culmination of three things. It's a culmination of the way he was brought up, his ability to be hyper aware of everything that's going on around him, crazy situational awareness. And then the third thing is to connect the dots. That's what I would say they are. So he finds things that work and he pushes them forward for what's he want. This is like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing 99% of the shit that comes out of your mouth, you're hearing it for the first time too. Like, are you like, Holy fuck? I, like you just seem like a guy who's just in a, a, a intellectual flow state whenever I'm with you. Yeah. Like, and I'm experiencing it with you, right? Yeah, when it hits yeah. you and that light yeah. bulb goes on. Like you it, said, when you escorted it's, it's, that guy it's, out, even you were tripping, but you're like, Oh, I better act like that was cool. Act like it was cool. Right. Be, yeah. And listen, and there's something else about that hyper awareness, right? I think yeah, that yeah. people imagine that if they were hyper aware, yeah. they would be aware of all the things that are not possible. When oh. really the more hyper aware you are, you realize that, that person's like no different than you. And they are where you want them to be. Like I became hyper aware during the NFL arm wrestling show that these 40 athletes were no different than the kids at my house. Oh, so, so just so you guys know, there, uh, Travis did a charity thing where he arm wrestled uh, NFL players. And that's what not even saying. that. So, like yeah, we yeah. brought 40 NFL players and did a CBS show with, 36 NFL players competing against each other. And the players association tried to find and, and suspend those guys for doing it. It was awesome. Like it was a real deal, $2 million production with Marshawn Lynch, James Harrison. And I mean, the list just goes on. It was awesome. And when um, you were around those guys, you were like, shit, my son could be one of these not guys. Not only aware, but not only around those guys, but my son was a junior in high school one of the big reasons that the project was put together was so that Tyson could be around those guys and that it would be just another check like, hey, 
you were around that guy. The first thing you're going to realize is they only zero in on the super ripped guys. Most of them dudes are just normal dudes, right? I mean, they're good looking 220 pound athletes. But I think when you're looking on TV at DJ Metcalf, you think that he's the norm when he's the minority, right? This six foot five, 240 pound wide receiver is a weirdo. Most of those wide receivers are just normal guys. And um, so even there with Tyson and Ezra being around those guys, and I made sure I brought them to every one of the shoots, every time that there was some intimate um, settings, right, with uh, with those guys, I made sure that my boys were right there and that it was nothing strange that they would be interacting with these type of people. So, you know, I would say that as soon as you feel like, like there's a, that you, you may have a, a little bit of awareness. Just let that sink in that all of your heroes are not that much cooler than you. I mean, just tiny, tiny little bit that I bet if you worked on, let's just say that you could go back in time, Savan, how many times would you, you know, maybe even be more hyper aware to put yourself in better positions, right? Yes. Well, listen, yes. Yes. That's what having kids is. It's your opportunity to go back in time. You have all your experiences. Now you can let them. So my experience with NFL players when I was growing up is that they were Clark Kent. They were Batman. So I made sure that my kids knew that, no, that's just Marshawn and James. Yeah, the oh. same guys we were at breakfast oh. with yesterday. Oh, hey, that was just like when Travis came to the Bay or Tyson came to the Bay Area to do some like shit with some professional athletes. You're like, dude, you're an idiot for not bringing your kids here and letting them and hang out with these people and just make it feel like it's normal. I didn't even get that. Normal. Hey, guys, I fucked that opportunity normal. up. That's just, you don't even say James Harrison or Marshawn Lynch. You say Marshawn and James. The right. kids already know who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's my boys from back from Vegas. Yeah, no doubt. And hey, then also, too, think about Marshawn Lynch and James Harrison having to come over here and work in this group because I'm in charge of their arm wrestling knowledge. So now my kids are looking at me like, yo, not only does my pops know who James Harrison and Marshawn is, but he just told one of them, shut the fuck up, that you was talking. <laughs> like, hey, get the fuck over here. The first drill we're going to do is we're going to work on some rising here in the set grip. Pay attention. Like that's the type. Now, listen, I, I, I even was a little, I was a little more aggressive teaching those guys because I knew my boys were there. Right. 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 I wanted them right. to know that. Listen, your pops ain't intimidated by this room. Like right. if you think about it, your pops ran the room. Right. Right. So you, so even in those situations, you know, your son's there and you're giving him a, 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 a learning, a learning lesson. I don't even want to say hyper is a good enough analogy for that, for being that aware of yes. what you are doing at this exact moment. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, and never, I don't have to talk about it anymore. I don't ever have to draw reference to it. It is embedded in their, in their brain. They already know that there was one time where their pops was completely in charge of all their heroes. God, Travis, you're such a cool dude. Dude, you wait and see, dude. If this thing hits, there's going to be a movie. 
And I'm going to be the main character. <laughs> it's going uh, to be... Um... And just imagine, too, like you can hype up all of these situations and make them even bigger than what they was. Yeah. Because, you know... Although I was it's pretty there, big. Right? I, I, was, I was there at that football thing. And, you know, I mean, just all these different moments in my life. I was there and I know that they were, you know, there were circumstances that made those things, you know, there was a lot of luck involved in those things, but that does not have to be portrayed in the movie. It could be all. I don't know. I, I don't believe it's any luck. I don't believe okay. it's any luck. Hey, but here's the thing. Every time I went and visited you when I filmed pooling, John, anytime I ever did any arm lessoning shit with you, I feel like whenever I came to your house or whatever, there, w- there was always like some kids training going on or, or like I was going with you to football practice or th- 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 it's always been, Something. I'm, I'm. Whenever I'm talking to you on the phone, you know, it's like, hey, I'm, what are you doing? You're like, I got to go. I'm getting out of the car. I'm taking the kids into practice. Or so it's just, to say, it's luck is. I, I mean, you definitely brought your kids prepared. It goes back to have brought them prepared. The same way I, I bring my kids everywhere, fucking prepared. Yeah, and I prepared. think too, like I, I yeah. can imagine you without the coach knowing it, you giving him a little pep talk. Yeah, and all the pep talk is is coach. Kids are fired up, man. It took you should, I, they wanted to come yesterday. I mean, we almost packed it in, and I was like, "Oh shit, your uh, you know your session's not till tomorrow." But the dudes are ready to come here. They really like that one backhand move. Yeah, they love playing that game. Just wanted to make sure you knew that, coach. All yeah, of a sudden, yes. coach knows. Hey, my man's here. He's very, very aware of when I'm starting class and how energetic I am. So, I mean, I praise that affiliate guy who wanted his um 20 and 30 dollar hourly coaches to train these athletes the way that their hopes and dreams the way that that trainer and their dreams trains them i just can't imagine that it's not the uh the actual athletes and definitely the parents of the kid athletes that um that can 100 percent help motivate that guy because really we don't need the guy to change his life we just need the most energetic hour he can give us that's all yeah yeah i was thinking the other i was actually talking with matt Souza about this today we expect uh we expect from coaches shit that people who make $300,000 a year can't do. And these people only make third between 36,000 and $48,000 a year. And that's to stay present and motivated. But it's like, God, man. Yeah. And also too, like that, you should, you should think about what hour are you getting your coach? Cause that's important too. Like I only want my, you mean coach, like morning or afternoon? I want or my night? coach at the first two hours that he's working. Because I know that the, the, I'm not the same trainer in the third hour. You not know, one of the, the things I, guy. you know, one of the things I've been telling Avi, my, my, uh, my eight-year-old, I, I know he doesn't understand it yet, but I said, Hey, don't let anyone control the energy in the room. You control the energy in the room. If someone else is down, someone else is uptight. You don't ever follow that. You, you, you never don't let your coach control the energy. No one controls your energy. You, you, you're free as a fucking bird. Cause it's, what's cause up it's, with those kids? Are those kids? What, what do you, what do you, what is your, uh, what is your vision for their future? Are they athletes or are they just well-rounded freaks? 
Yeah, probably just well-rounded freaks. I don't know. What but, about educationally? But, Are they uh, smart kids? I think so. I mean, I think so. I mean, they read and write and do math and everyone. And, you know, they say hi and please. I mean, like they're not even no, lawyers, you think? Or just- no, no, no. Fuck that. That's a life of misery. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Like here, uh, you know, it's so hard to tell if your kids are smart anymore because the bar is so fucking low. So my kids are the most polite, smartest, sweetest, most well-behaved, cleanest kids wherever I go. But I'm surrounded by fucking piles of shit. Yeah. Like, like, and the kid and the parents don't even know it. You know, Travis. I, I yesterday I took my kids uh, for the for their last session of the day. Their last session of the day. They started at three thirty and they did a one hour striking and kicking class, and they sparred for thirty minutes. Sparred, no headgear with other kids. Then right after that, they get a little snack for five minutes and they go into an hour of jujitsu. That's also, that's 30 minutes of technique and then 30 minutes of fighting. So you're saying 3.30 to, or did that? 3.30 to 4.30, 4.30 to 5.30. Then they come home and they're like, hey, we want to go in the garage and, and work on our jumping. So we go in the garage and we do jumping skills, sideways, lateral, vertical, all sorts of just different jumping skills because they want to do it's fun, right? Just jumping, crazy jumping, one-legged jumps, two-legged jumps. Some of those jumps you were showing me, they're just jumping. Then when they're done with that, it's been raining, and I, I invent a tennis game in the garage. So now they've been going three hours, and I invent a tennis game in the garage that they can play in the garage, and it just has to do with barely tapping the tennis ball. And they play that for an hour. So now four hours they've been going. That's their last session of the day. They've already done a ton of other shit in the morning, right? Right. And like for I'm guessing for me, that's just normal. For my kids, that's just normal. Yeah, exactly. So, so like I don't even know. I don't even know what other kids. I don't even know. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's such. Listen, man. Like they're oh. pissed. Like I get pissed when they say, can I drink you some water? And I'm like, what the yeah. fuck? You only been going four hours, you know? So I don't even know. I don't know how to compare my kids to other kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even. Yeah, there's probably no comparison, and and honestly, not that there's not other kids getting that work, but they're getting that work because of an obligation that their parents. So, in other words, you would have to own that that jujitsu studio from for for right, for right, kids to have right. the equivalent. I right. would say, yeah. Right. So that's awesome. I mean, that is that is that is a that is a genuine blessed day. I would imagine for you. Yeah, then they woke up this morning. They did a, an hour of reading and math, and then the the striking coach comes over. They strike for an hour and then straight to the skate park, and they skated for three hours straight, come home, get something to eat, and then off to tennis practice. Yeah, and you're and you're genuinely fulfilled through that day as well. You you personally. Uh, oh, I'm having – you mean am I having fun? Yeah, right. Like, oh. you know, There's not like that they ever tell you they're going to the park and you're like, dude – I'd much rather sit and just take a nap. No, TV. You're, yeah, I you're, hate you're, myself. Like today I did take a nap for an hour. So uh, my wife's like, Hey, I'm taking, uh, they go to this thing called Kumon uh, once or twice a week where they sit down with uh, like junior high kids and they do math and reading with them. It's just, it's just and, uh, and I was like, Hey, I'm going to nap for an hour. And I hated myself for it, but I needed, but I know I needed to take them to tennis and I, the best version of me would be if I nap, yeah. I want to spend every fucking second with them. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, yeah. the, dude, that's what makes, like, dude, <laughs> that, uh, that's going to be, and you know what? It's going to be strange for them because 
they gonna they're gonna have to luck out in order to live that life that you're living. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, it's a you mean you mean you, know, you mean with their kids? You mean to be able to do this with their kids? Exactly, like we yeah, Tyson. What we were well, or like, they got to be brave like me and you. I know, I know what, what you said. I I did. I was the same way too. Like I was kind of like fuck it. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you're right. I got lucky. It could have turned out fucking bad. While everyone else was telling me to get a job at Starbucks and get health insurance, I was like, fuck you. I ain't doing that. I'm fooling around with this video camera. But but, but on the other hand, like, I mean, it, here's two guys it worked out for. I mean, how many people told you to get a job and stop fucking around coaching for, Oh kids. man, it was crazy. <laughs> right? It was crazy. I mean, now, people I mean, think even you're to this day, yeah, like I yeah. can tell that that even though it kind of worked out for me, I can yeah. still see their face like, how the hell did you do that? Because listen, I have man, family members tell lot. me I'm lucky. I have family members tell me I'm lucky the way my life turned out. When 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 I worked every Christmas for fucking you know, I mean, you know, you were out in the snow throwing balls with your kids at Christmas, you know. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And you know, like I know that that those people really consciously thought that they were making the right decision. Yes. And, and listen, I'm not saying they're not, I'm just like, I know that they are looking at their relationships with their kids and they haven't logged, they haven't logged near the time. Like they haven't logged the time that we have. That's why that, you know, me and my kids have, me and my kids have a relationship about our relationship with you or whoever those people are, because right. that's how much time that we're logging. I'm not just seeing my kids for that three hour window after work until night, till the, till bedtime. Like I've been with them. We've been, we've been together all day. <laughs> you ever had a coach tell you to go away, Travis? Yeah. Um, no, but I have had coaches, um, gently try to explain to me that I'm the only guy watching. Right. So yeah, I, I'm starting to get that talk from some of the coaches like, yeah. Hey, you know, there's no other parents here watching their kids. Like they just drop them off. I've, yeah. I've know, been told that I'm I need like, to walk man. away. I, and you know, it, but I don't, but I don't, I'm like, I hear you. You might be right, but sorry, I'm not doing it. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I tell the guys all the time. It's like, listen, I love you to death. It's just, I love them more. I just right. want to make sure that you are killing them, homie. Yeah. And, uh, oh. but I, you know, I, I, I thought about that because listen, you, do you know that I don't miss Tyson's, I don't miss college football practice. Now think about that. Think still about that. his, I love that. Yeah, I you still go, miss. you went to all his college football practices I too. I don't miss, I do not miss practice. Do any other parents go to college football practice? Not, no, it's not one parent. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. <laughs> You're fucking crazy. Yeah, hey, that is that parent. so? Is that so? No girls get him, or no one? He can't smoke weed, or like no, get on the. I am interested in seeing what do I need to add to the list because listen, you can't put your kids in Division Two athletics and expect them to have the same coaching, the same um, amount of stress put on them as they are at Alabama and Notre Dame. Right. So I, I, I also too, like I, I, we didn't go there under the interpretation that Tyson was not the best player that ever played there. Now it didn't mean it was true. I'm just telling you that when he came in, 
that's the label that I put on his packaging as I delivered it to you, right? So just know that, like I gave him, I gave them guys, this human being, and as I gave it to them, I made sure they knew that this is the best player that ever played here. So right away, I'm checking the coach, right? I'm checking the coach with the comment. Now, when I show up to practice, what do you think the coach thinks? This guy's crazy, right? <laughs> like, this lunatic thinks that his son is an NFL player. Like, and listen, he probably talks about it to the other coaches. Says it to two or three of the parents that he's friends with, whether a former players or colleagues at school. When they say, hey... Um, isn't that Bajan boy playing quarterback for you? Man, how's his dad? <laughs> and listen, you have to know that that guy who asked that question is praying that Coach McCook says that I'm a handful and that it probably won't work out. Yeah. Right? But here's what you have to know. It's only a matter of time. For Tyson, it was four days. So think about this, right? For the first day... I'm a lunatic. The second day, hey, man, that dude's dad is back here again. And then the one guy says, who are you talking about? You're like, the stud quarterback's dad. That's the first strike. He, the guy says, in the day two, I'm not the crazy guy. I'm the crazy stud quarterback's dad. Day three, the entire motherfucking team from every kid to every staff member knows, wow, that crazy-ass kid's dad is coming to every practice. And you know why? Because he's the best player that's ever played here. <laughs> and then the fourth day, the same guy, he run, the coach runs into the same guy at lunch. And he says, hey, how's it working out with uh, – Tyson's dad and coach says, honestly, I think that Travis and Tyson are the best thing that's ever happened to Shepherd football. Do you have any other questions? Was that so, his freshman year? Four days, four days. God, Travis, what a now listen great to this. story. Yeah. Let's fast forward to the first game. Yeah. The first game, my son throws for more yards than anybody in the history of the conference. Not the team, the whole thing, right? And listen, the next day we get to practice, it's a Sunday. I'm at practice. It's just a walkthrough. The starters ain't even practicing. Do you know why I'm there? I want to see what kind of energy the football coaches have the day after the first game that my son, who is a true freshman, through for 518 yards. I want the coaches, I want everybody to know how lucky they are and how accountable I am. I'm so accountable. He is accountable. And listen, Tyson's goal, man, Tyson told me, he's like, listen, I know what my job is. My job is for that coach to think that I'm the hardest worker he's ever been around. And every time it's a new coach, it's a new opportunity. And he knows that. I mean, and he, he he got that because I told him, I'm like, listen, 
That's your goal. How many days does it take for the defensive coordinator to know you're the best player? I know the offensive coordinator is going to know you're the best player this first day. How long is it going to take for the guy who doesn't want you to be the best player? How long is it going to take for him to find out? And, and we're going over those small little goals. I think that a lot of kids are dropping off their kids and they're just thankful the kid doesn't forget their water bottle. Yeah. Not that the kid is looking for today to be the day that the entire team realizes he's the best player. Hey, how, do you have much time left? Do you have 20 more minutes? Of course. Okay. Uh, I'm going to run this commercial one more time. Take another potty break. It's been an hour and 27 minutes. A cup of coffee later. Uh, we'll be back in 55 uh, seconds. What is with this guy, you know? If Howard Stern and Joe Rogan had a baby, you'd be looking at him. Remember, the people were live, so don't, like, start picking your nose or pull your dick out or anything crazy like that. And this is why this is the greatest show on the Internet, because there's a comment here that says a lot of pre-cum, and then right after there's a comment that says it's so sad. Let's go back to hand jobs. People without their names and they, uh... <laughs> <laughs> No one clipped that and played that on the internet. A thumb with a mustache. Yes. A thumb. <laughs> Listen, a guy named Johan Lopez called you a thumb with a mustache. Wow. I'm going to shit myself. Man, that Sevon podcast is dull as shit. Okay, you guys have a great day. Okay. You too. Thanks for calling. Mwah. <laughs> no. I was no. feeling familial like it was my mom I was talking to. Okay, here's the question for you. I I go to a jiu-jitsu tournament with Avi. Uh, there's only one other kid in the weight class. Uh, it, it, there's gi and no gi. It, in, in the no gi, there's not a lot of kids who do it. That's the one where you're, not, you're just in your street clothes, right? It's just wrestling. And, and uh, so he's there, and uh, he, went, he wins the first match 11-0. And, and they, they're going to – normally you just wrestle a kid once and move on to the next kid, but there's only one kid there, so they do a best out of three. The next match, they tie 4-4, and since the kid scored the last points, they give the match to him. So now it's tied one match each. And Avi says, hey, I'm not going back out there. I'm like, okay, cool. Now, in that same tournament – my son Ari arm wrestled in, in a match and a girl arm barred him and kind of hyperextended his elbow and they stopped the match and he was crying and they took him off the mat and, and, uh, they said, and, and they said, okay, he's done for the day. And five minutes later he goes, Hey, I want to wrestle my next two matches. And he went back in with his arm fucked up and won just like a savage. Right. Even though he didn't have to. So I asked Avi what, why he didn't uh, want to, you know, do the third match with that kid and he wouldn't answer me. So six months later, which is, uh, you know, um, or three months later, which was this morning, he's, uh, he's, he's training for jujitsu with his instructor. And I say, Hey, we got to work on, uh, we got to work on Cause he has another tournament coming up in a couple of days. I go, we got to work on something with Avi. And she goes, what? And I go that last match, he wanted to kid, beat the kid 11 zero. And then it was four, four. And he wouldn't go out for the third match. And he goes, dude, you don't, he tells me he's eight years old. He goes, tells me and the jiu-jitsu instructor, you don't understand how tired I was. I was so tired. And I said to him, and I don't know if he gets it. I go, I know, dude, but that's your opportunity to test yourself. Like, who cares if you fucking lose? You have to go out there and just see what happens, what you're made of.
uh, and 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 then the instructor's like, okay, we'll we'll start working on some things called the gauntlet, and that's basically where you just go out there and they just have ten people just keep coming at you and just beat your ass and basically make you cry. So you just told a story where Tyson knew he had to be the hardest worker in the room. How did you teach him that? Do you have any advice for me? Yeah, like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I okay, do. I, go, I, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, you need listen. There's a that's a that's a that's a good one right here. Yeah. This is a this is advanced. This is like trigonometry when it comes to parenting right here. And right? he's so moldable. He's so this kid's so moldable. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So you're 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 in a tough situation, right? So this is my recommendation for every dad who has a dream that you know could be slightly unrealistic and you're going to work towards it together. Your son must be treated as an endurance athlete all the time because that's going to be the place, that humbling place where they get tired and they can't do it anymore. So I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that he wasn't a genius for knowing that, that there was something there that he didn't want to experience. But the good thing is, is that you, that gauntlet is how he experiences that. So you did that with Tyson? You would push him into the just... I All I did was I made Tyson wrestle when he was six and seven years old because that gauntlet that you're talking about is something that every kid, every kid, you got to look away knowing that they're going to hold him underwater. They're going to hold it. They're going to hold him underwater. And you got to know that as hard as that is to watch, that it's going to be a lot harder if you're not there and it's not controlled one of these days. So that now you're in a tough gig when it comes to fighting, right? I knew that when it came to football, that I could put Tyson in an endurance, very scary situation just by sending him to wrestling practice. You got another, like, I don't even know. Like, oh, I see what you're saying. You're, you're saying that you the time domains somehow. for wrestling are longer than football. So if he could handle wrestling, he's going to be able to understand, under, un, be able to handle the metabolic needs of football. But you're saying for wrestling, if you want to swim in the deep end, what do you use? Yeah, you got to go to SEAL training. You got to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't yeah, know right, what right. it is, but you right. have to know that part of your job <laughs> is to make sure that he reaches this adversity almost accidentally. And, and even better, just going through life. So right. one of the beautiful things about football is that every minute you stop for four minutes, right? So I knew that the, the how they were going to try to humble my kids is during summer conditioning, right? Because there's always the dudes that don't mind the conditioning. And then there's the athletes that hate the conditioning. They're just the good players, Right. Right. They're just coordinated. So I made sure that my kids went through what I considered worse endurance training with me so that when they got there, because listen, that's going to be the way that the coach can always humble you. The parent is that he can make your kid tired and make him quit. Right. Right. And you're in a tough game when it comes to that fighting game. Right. Because. You know, there is that, like, if your kids are not going to be UFC fighters, they're not, you don't need to let them get choked out. Right. But I'm telling you right now, if you have admirations of your kids fighting in the UFC, no, the motherfuckers got to get choked out right now. 
Right. Yeah. No, no aspirations. No, no. You know, you know, I just, I, but I do think that, um, it translates to maybe a better tennis player or better skateboarder. Like no doubt you got three black belts in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and some kickboxing, kickboxing and striking, uh, medals under your belt. And you, those three boys walk onto the, onto the skate part. Well, and you talk about, you talk about not letting anyone (laughs) control the energy. Right. I mean, the best way to control the energy is if you the toughest dude in the are room. in a tennis situation with a MMA background. Right. Um, I just need to, you need to you know, fixing that problem in the MMA world may be a tougher sell than fixing it if it was in the tennis world. Right. Great understanding. Great explanation. Yeah. Just with your <laughs> MMA. And, and that's why probably MMA there's so many MMA fighters that are um like Ironman athletes. Like they do the hundred mile runs and all that crazy. And, and like, you know, we all know uh, Manny Pacquiao. He's a running machine. Yeah. Even Diaz, like yes. those guys, man. Like yes. once you completely sell out from an endurance standpoint, now let's go, bro. Like, let's go. Like, I know that you're not gonna, um, you know, you're not gonna make me quit that easy, but I do know from experience that once you're tired and that you can't breathe, that is the absolute most humbling um, thing that you can go through, especially if you're, if someone's asking you to perform under those conditions. So, um, you know, think about the sport that you're going to, you know, and think about the adversity that your kids, because listen, there's a lot of tennis players that face that same adversity that, that he went through in that MMA fight. Right. Right. But you just want to make sure that you can control that tennis thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, we'll play all day. We got no problem making this about art because, you know, I got him over here with Garth Taylor and, um, and Garth is taking care of that, uh, that adversity. Uh, I want to read to you a text message that just came in from a mutual friend of ours. Maybe uh, the smartest living man on the planet. Nice. It says, I love Travis Bajant like I love very few. He's beyond a friend. Travis delivers some globally strong and hard-fought wisdom on basic shit, and it's gold. That that this beast was able to hone Tyson to the monster, he speaks volumes to all I hold dear about training and rearing. Uh, I am proud of uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm crazy proud of him. I'm very, very proud of him, uh, Greg Glassman. Nice. Hey. Fuel up the jet, baby. Let's get together. <laughs> what are we waiting on? Hey, what? listen, I'm going to be way funner now that I'm not like, you know, way funner. And I know I was you've always been there. fun. Shut the fuck up. Listen, uh, what zombie the last time I had him on when it was the, and that was the most popular show we did in 2022. You have to know that. And by the way, that was right before a big, a match between John Brzezink and Devin Lorette and, and uh, Travis was giving his two cents on who he thought was going to win. So probably a lot of arm wrestlers around the world. Listen, but, um, the, the thing is, is right after that, I go, Travis, you're such an awesome guest. I'll have you on regularly. And he's like, listen, dipshit i'm not fucking i'm not coming on your show regularly i hate that shit don't call me for fucking six months like you know what i mean no i so that i'm not getting i i'll, I'll ask him to come on again you know uh, tyson's more likely to come on again than this guy yeah and also too man listen uh tyson tyson loves you and um i think that you're gonna this next component in your life is gonna be the guys that you really really respect and love enough to let mentor and be in your kid's life that's going to be another special thing 
that happens to you. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Well it's, said. It's, 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 listen, hugely fulfilling, right? Like for me to really, really enjoy someone and really tell my kids, like, listen, I just want you to know that in, in the reason, the reason Tyson thinks so highly of you is because as he was coming up in life, you were doing these great things. And every single time it was one of those where nobody in this household was surprised by it. So whenever, and it's not just you, there's, there's this psychology teacher at Martinsburg high school that, that I was, you know, that I ended up uh, getting CrossFit certified. And this guy's a huge part of Tyson's life. Um, I believe you'll be a part of his life forever. And I'm telling you right now, there is no doubt in my mind that that man is going to become absolutely great. Like, and your relationship with him is going to benefit you tremendously. I think that um, I've told you before that being the quarterback is a lot different than any other thing. Right. Right. And there's no reason for you to understand that yet, but the power that you will see as Tyson becomes one of those household figures, one of those five or 10 quarterbacks that is on his team and is the starter year in and year out. Um, the benefit that it's going to take place for you um, will be, it'll just be an amazing circle because I remember thinking to myself how awesome it would be if Tyson could get some knowledge and some understanding from a few guys that have been a part of my life. So I cannot wait until you call me and like, <laughs> yo, yo. And I'm and listen, I already know it's gonna happen. I just can't wait for you to see the power of being one of those guys. And and then here's what I'm hoping too, that I'm hoping that Tyson was raised that the best part of his life is sharing that platform, right? Just purposely letting the people know that that were there for him or that he enjoys that, hey, all these resources, just like Greg Glassman said, Travis, don't be tight with the resources. They're here. Make sure that all of our people can enjoy them. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the doors that that I think Tyson's career is going to open, not not because of the fame and fortune, just because of the influence. And to me, nothing is bigger than when somebody thinks that that you are on this platform, that you could be selfish or maybe too busy for them. And then they realize that, my man, this is one of the main reasons that I got to this platform. Ah. And so all my people, all my people can enjoy it. So I, I hope that Tyson is that guy. And I'm also hoping that that Tyson's aware enough that even if he's not that guy, that he knows that I am that guy. So that I, I can I can handle it. If you don't want to, if you don't want to be that guy, I would love to be that guy for you. Um, so um just hold on, just wait a little bit longer. Every time I call, answer the phone. I you're, do, one, I do. you're one sarcastic comment away. <laughs> Who this? What bam. you need? Hey, um, how do you choose Travis? How do you choose those? Um, how do you choose those guys? 
Um, I just choose the guys that I know, no matter what, they didn't do it. They did a lot of things for me, not for them. Um, you know, so, and then, you know, also too, I don't really care what put us in a position to where um, I enjoyed your company. It really doesn't matter. I am, I love, I absolutely love being a servant. I love helping people. Like, I love it. I like bringing a lot of people to dinner. I love when my friends are hanging out with my other friends, even if they're not necessarily friends, so that they all can feel it. And I mean, I just think that for the most part, our, our, our brain just imagines that you would be very helpful when you needed something. And then the second you didn't, you would forget about the people that got you there. And then I just think that, you know, it comes with being aware is that you really, really remember situations that you were in and how thoughtful and appreciative the other people were and how, if you ever got the, you know, the chance to, to just enhance something um, that you would do it. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, to doing things like that. And hopefully it works out. What's the longest uh, coach besides yourself that uh, Tyson ever had? I'd say it's his college coach, Ernie McCook. So that's a five-year program with the COVID year. Yeah. So three years of high school, same coach, a couple years of uh, junior high with the same coach, and then me for about the first 10 years. So from six until – 13. So seven straight years of me being his football, basketball, baseball coach, and then handing him off to a junior high guy for a couple of years, a high school guy for a few years, and ultimately to coach McCook at Shepherd University for the last five years. You, you know, it's crazy. Is like uh, when, so my kid play. I, I signed my kid up for this tennis uh, academy camp. I don't know what you call it, just where he plays, where he plays tennis. My kids play tennis and I took them there because they didn't require masks for the kids. So everyone in California was fucking freaking out and wearing masks. I don't know if they did that shit in West Virginia, but there was like a year or two years where everyone around here was wearing masks and scared. You're you're kidding. That was so weird. So weird. They didn't really do that. I I swear to God. I saw that on the news, but I thought that was a joke. I swear to God. So this tennis (laughs) camp, this tennis camp didn't require those masks. And so I started taking my kids there and I had no interest in my kids playing tennis. And you then, had none or you had none? none? I had none. Okay. Oh, now I'm a tennis. I'm going to watch the Australian Open when I'm done here with you. I got yeah, you. Huge fan. Huge fan. And none. I thought tennis was as stupid as golf and baseball. Just throwaway sports. Dumb. And, and now I'm a huge fan. So so I take them there. And I after them going there a year, and then they start going to like these kind. They're not tournaments, but they start playing kids at other academies. And I start seeing that my kids and the other kids at this academy play so different than those kids. They do something. They have top spin. They do something when they serve, they serve like this, the racket comes at them like this, like a tomahawk. And at the last minute you turn it, they don't play what's called tap tennis. That's what all of us idiots play, right? We play tap tennis. We just hit the ball. They never just hit the ball. There's now you're telling everybody or just one team. My kid, where my kids train, they don't play tap tennis. Right, but when you play these other academies. They all play tap tennis. Okay. Basically, they all do. Okay, let's say half. I don't know, but a lot. Like, And, and so I'm like, wait a second. This this doesn't look like they're playing the same game. It's a nuance I would have never noticed, but now I've been, I go to practice and sit there and watch every, you know, for a year. 
And I, I finally realized how lucky we were. We got this coach who this isn't like he's teaching them the fucking fundamentals the the you know what i mean just like so you're saying that your lack of you you did you think you were being cheated at first or no no i had no idea but i could have out of the other 10 tennis academies in santa cruz county they probably all teach tap tennis for all i know like it's just a game to them it's just babysitting it's just a place you take your kid to learn teach kid hit the ball back and forth across the net that is not what's happening with my tennis instructor Right. Like he is fucking teaching him. And so when my kid, like if I take my kids to just a local tennis club court, people will gather around just because of the kid's nice. stroke, because of the kid's stroke. Right. Nice. Yeah. And you lucked into that. Yeah. I lucked into that. Wow. And do you, uh, have you ever found yourself taking credit for that luck? No, no, not, not, no, never. But the weird thing is, is like, that's the thing with parents and like kids. Like if you don't, and the same, so I figured that out with jujitsu too. Like my kids went to a jujitsu academy that was really good. They went there for three years, but at the two year mark, I should have known better and pulled them out because they, they had evolved past what was being like, they, they had passed past where the coach cared enough about them to keep them progressing. So, so it took me about a year to, and then I pulled them out. Not that that academy is bad. It was just time for them to move on. I pulled them out, moved them to another academy, and they exploded now again. Yeah. Same with skateboarding. They became better than their skateboarding teacher. Now, and then do you think if you'd have went to one of those other tennis academies, you would have played your academy and recognized it right away? I doubt it. I fucking, I don't know. Wow. I don't, because I had to sit there and listen to him, t- this guy tediously teach these kids shit that, like, I never thought you could teach a four-year-old in a million fucking years. But yeah, so it just so did. happens that 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 badass coaching came with the perception that we wasn't going to wear masks in here, too. Yeah, it was just like, fuck, I just need a place for my kids to play outside, and I got lucky. But that could have, but that you weren't going to let that happen. You, you knew what good football looked like. Oh, yes, 100%. Yeah, and listen, to a thought, right? Maybe even at the beginning, thought that I knew, that I thought I knew, better football than I really knew, but definitely not just taking, um, anyone's input. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. So I definitely probably uh, made a few mistakes early, but they were, it was way better than, um, being set back a few years. Um, right. By going, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But you know what though? I feel like that no matter what it is, like, if we're both super amateur and we get introduced to a new activity, I immediately skip to the third chapter. Because you're such an good athlete. I mean, it's just like, it's like I'm sneaky motherfucker. It's like, as soon as I get the book, I move on to the third chapter, see one reference. And then before the guy gets done teaching the first five minutes, I make a reference to something I read in chapter three, just to see if maybe I hit a Hail Mary and it worked. Um, so yeah, definitely had a hypersensitive and, you know, I think football, you know, for some reason, if you're a meathead, West Virginia kid over six foot tall, you get introduced to football anyway. Um, and then you realize that when I, what I realized is that when I got done playing high school football, I never was for field like that again, even though I got to play college baseball. I even got to do some really cool arm wrestling stuff. Playing football on Friday nights in high school isn't for me, was an amazing t- 
time in my life. And it's something that I, uh, I thought that if my kids could play, they would have to play the two safe positions, which means they could be the quarterback or the kicker. That's it. And then if we really worked on it, it could be a real confidence booster when it came to the rest of their life. So even if it just got them through college or through high school, being the homecoming king, it was still a little bit better than not. Um, and then we just got real lucky and kept pushing that envelope and Tyson kept believing. And, um, and then it just got to where now he believes it even more than me, which I freaking love. Um, Hold on, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Some guy in the comments said, uh, Travis sounds like Grover from Sesame Street. <laughs> Grover must have a raspy voice, maybe. Let, I don't let me, know. Let me, let me, let, let's hear Grover for a let's second. Let's hear what he said. This is your old pal, Grover. Mm -hmm. And today, I'm going to talk. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Okay, okay, I'll take it. Was that, was that guy meaning for me to enjoy that or... Or maybe take a fit. Nah, he, he doesn't even know. <laughs> hey, um, do you remember when that happened? When he when he believed more than you? Uh, yeah, I think it was around right around tenth grade. He, um, I kept telling him, I'm like, listen, man, you're we're in this little four month span where I'm like, listen, everything can change now. If you get better, you have an opportunity to take this job as a sophomore instead of waiting until you're a junior and it will change everything. If you can get in the game before you are athletically really enhanced, because usually the 10th grader hasn't hit puberty yet and that's why he can't play. And the kids that can play as sophomores, it's because they hit puberty early. So a special category would be pre-puberty but has enough skill level to play with the puberty kids, right? So that was the first indication for me. It's like, listen, we can separate ourselves. Like, to me, not, if you if you roll up in the 10th grade with a full beard and you're starting, I'm not that surprised. But when I can clearly look and see that you have not, you, your balls have not dropped yet, right? Like, you're not taking showers after practice with the other players, right? You're, you're, you're coming home dirty, right? Because you're in the 10th grade and you, you, you do anything rather than get naked and go in the, in the high school <laughs> shower, right? If you, are, if you are at that, if all that is taking place and you are still the leader and the best player on the team, then we have a bright future. And that was one of those things where I could just tell Tyson, I'm like, listen, do you know how special it is that you're their leader? Like this team has already won the state championship five different times the last seven years. They're not, they're used to winning, right? And they're used to being led by someone that is hit puberty a while ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the first indication. And then right after that year, there was never a time where I had to, you know, call him and be like, yo, let's go work out. He had either already done it or was already bugging me about when we were doing it and who was all coming. And then it became a situation where he took a lot of pride in it. So then he started inviting his guys and all his buddies and the classes got bigger because of him than just because of me. 
Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got something. And then you're just waiting for them to show that they're normal, right? A normal kid's going to, you know, um, you know, uh, have trouble at school. A normal kid's going to lash out at, you know, make some excuse as to, you know, because he's not starting in basketball, he's got some big problem, you know, but as Tyson kept growing and kept evolving, none of those problems existed, right? There was never a problem. There was never an attitude problem. There was never, you know, here's a prime example of a quarterback, right? He goes to, he goes to uh, practice. The coaches deem him the captain right away. One of the star players immediately checks the quarterback by saying something about the program, whether it's about the coach, whether it's about the facilities, whether it's about any of that. You would expect a non-puberty kid, 10th grader, listening to this from a senior to easily hop right on the bandwagon and be a part of the cancer, right? Yeah, man, coaches coach should be playing uh, uh, Carlos instead of, you know, so-and-so at wide receiver. But with Tyson, it was always, he always had the coaches back and he would tell the kid, he's like, listen, man, I think coaches, coaches just trying to win the game. I think that, uh, you know, we should, we should listen to him because a long time ago I told him, I'm like, what's what you want to be a part of the problem or what? Or are you here to, are you here to really be, that liaison between management and the team. So just know, like I told this eight-year-old kid today, if you want to play quarterback in college, you've got to be the best player on your team, right? You have to be a freak endurance athlete so that they don't try to out-endurance you as to where they can mold you on the team. The next thing is you can be the best player on the team, but you can never talk about it. You can never talk about yourself if you're the quarterback. Are you sure that you want to be that guy? Now, don't get me wrong. Other people are going to talk about you, good and bad. You are never allowed to talk about your successes, nor are you allowed to accept your failures to a point that the rest of the team loses confidence in you. So just know all of that pressure. Who taught you that? The quarterback. Who taught you that? How do you know? I mean, that's just, I evaluated that, right? I watched the quarterbacks. I wanted my son to be those guys. And then every time those guys will let you down, right? You'll see them in some situation where they're throwing the iPad, throwing the helmet, showing off their receivers. Meaning when the, when the play doesn't go right, it is the quarterback's fault. It does not matter what really happened. You must know that that's the way you have to handle it every single time. And you must downplay all the successes. Every single time, you must distract the attention from yourself to the administration and or your other players. Just know that every time so that we're never caught in a situation where you can show them that you're not the guy, that you're selfish, that you're normal. Can't be any of that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And if you are, tell me now so that you can go be, you know, a Navy SEAL. You don't have to be a great NFL quarterback. Just be mm -hmm. a Navy SEAL or an Army Green Beret. Be the best uh, high school football coach in the history of the world. It doesn't matter. You have a 
endless supply of things that you can be pretty damn good at. Um, just know that this one thing, it requires all of you. It requires you to be present at every situation and hyper, my God, hyper aware. Mm. Please know that it is, it, it's foundationally a must for us to move on. Uh, this is one of Sevon's easiest interviews. Just hit play and let the record play with repeat. I mean, yeah, this, I, Hey, and here's, what's crazy. It's midnight in West Virginia. Uh, truth, truth be spoken. Travis and I usually don't start talking until about 10 PM Pacific standard time. So usually at 1 AM is when our conversations, uh, start. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Uh, I do have a uh, 7 a.m. podcast that I haven't prepared uh, much for, so I'm about to go work out for two hours in the garage. And I love it. Well, listen, prepare. we super hey, dude, you're appreciate a stud. you over here. Dude, you the man. The Bayesian household. Hey, listen, I can't wait for us to be able to return this favor. Things are about to go down in Mobile, Alabama. You watch. I can't mid-week, wait. Midweek, Dave Castro is oh. going to call you. How, 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 much, how much longer is uh, Tyson in Fort Myers? Tyson will be in Fort Myers until probably March 1st. Okay, because I did uh, reach out to Daniel Brandon. She said she'd love to uh, get in a couple training days with him. So I'm going to uh, push her uh, um, contact information to you, and then you can introduce them, and they could get some training days in. I watched her perform, and uh, what an amazing um, athlete. And I am super looking forward to um, you know her meeting Tyson and them collaborating and I'd love to be there as well. So keep me informed. Yep. Yep. I'll put your number. All right, guys. Hey, everyone. uh, All right. Thank you, Travis. And I will, uh, I'll probably give you a call later on tonight. All right. You're the man. Later, brother. Wow. I just threw that part at the end there to get you guys excited about Daniel Brandon. That was just like showing off. You know, but it is true. Before Wadapalooza, I was like, hey, I sent, uh, I said, hey, you want my, my, my buddy's down like 40 minutes away from you. Would you want to train with him? She said, who's your buddy? I said, this dude, kid Tyson Bajan. She said, fuck yeah, let's rock and roll. She's cool like that. Yeah, no, this is a special human being. Thanks, Miss Ridow. Woo, my ears. <laughs> Trish, God damn it. <sighs> Thank you, Mr. Kelly. All right, guys. Uh, tomorrow morning, um, Sevon, go live for workouts. I think you're BS on the two hour. I mean, listen, this is what I'm going to do, Mr. Mason. I'm going to, I, I'm going I'm to have eight minutes to get ready. So I'm going to go. I think I peed on my pants on that last pee break when I rushed out there. It was dark. So I'm going to change my pants. Obviously, I'm not going to work out in these pants. And then, um, I'm probably going to uh, wash my hands and brush my teeth. And then I'm going to rub my kids back for about 30 seconds, 40 seconds each. Kiss my wife, rub her back. Then I'm going to go in the garage. And I'm going to ride the assault bike for 10 minutes. And I'm going to stay in the garage for two hours. And, you know, 30 minutes of it, maybe just doing work on the balance block or the indoor board. But I'll, but I'll stay moving for two hours. I won't do shit to make myself look like fucking you. I wish. Uh, but I, but I will be sweating for, yeah, uh, the meat doctor tomorrow. Yeah. It's weird when you have two real people on how easy it is to do a, uh, a podcast. 
No, I'm not. No, I it was. I don't normally pee on myself. I don't normally. That was. Uh, I, and I'm not. And I know. And only I can call myself old. I don't normally pee on myself. I was just rushing. I, I was so stupid. I was at tennis with my kids right before this, and I drank a, a giant like I don't know a liter of Perrier or two liters of Perrier. I was just indulging in sparkling water because I, I stopped bringing it in my house, and they have a, a like a liquor store there. So. Um, okay. All right. I think that's it. See you guys tomorrow, 7 a.m. It's less than 12 hours, 10 hours away, 10 hours and six minutes. Uh, who's Ron? I always clean up Ron's drippings for him. Who's Ron? That's your boyfriend? That's your husband? Good night. Good night, Ken. Good night. Good night, Sebi. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.